Welcome in, everyone. It's the Justin Kinner Show. Right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Justin Kinner with you here. We got Shade Neal in studio today working the phone, so make sure you give him something to do. Give him a call, 457-9464. That's how you call in. Join in on the conversation. When you get through, he'll, of course, get your information and get you hooked up here, and you can jump in uh, and share your opinion live here on the air. lot to get into today. The Bengals, who I have... I'm a little upset with the Bengals. I had my all my like all of my spring content was going to be about the Reds and bashing the Bengals and praising the Browns. Well, I've praised the Browns, although they've kind of gone underground a little bit. The Reds, well, they're, I mean, obviously not playing. And then there's the Bengals. So I had one last pre-planned thing to get into, and that was bashing the Bengals. And they've ruined it. They've ruined it. Now, after all the moves that they've made, spending $127 plus million in free agency this offseason alone, they may not be done. They might have another move up their sleeve. We'll get to that coming up around the corner. And this is a big one. This is a big one. This is a move that if you value your quarterback, you go above, you, you force this move to happen. Even if you whiff, even if this move that they are being rumored to be involved in is a bust, I wouldn't even blame them. I wouldn't even look back and say, oh, typical Bengals. No. This is a move that we'll talk about here shortly, that if the Bengals do find a way to pull this off, this is the type of move that you do to show your quarterback that you love him. That you love him. But all right, here he goes. 457-9464. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. So let's get to it. A lot to get into today. We're going to talk some Buckeyes uh, here around the corner. We're going to have Austin Ward from Letterman Row. Uh, he'll join us again, Ohio State. I mean, with all of the doom and gloom going on with the with no live sports and really just not knowing when live sports will return, there's a lot of excuses why recruiting should fall, you know, fall through the cracks. There's a lot of excuses as to why teams might go on a hiatus and not announce a signing or get, you know, get a commitment for a while. That has not been the Buckeyes. Ryan Day's Ohio State Buckeyes have kicked ass, and we're going to talk about that with Austin Ward from Letterman Row coming up in hour two, just around the corner. Kirk Herbstreit, he has a little bit of a negative view on his thoughts on the start to the 2020 college football season. Will there even be a college football season? Kirk Herbstreit uh, weighed in on that. We'll air that for you. Plus, Major League Baseball, a lot to get into with that. First of all, everyone, uh, yesterday was not the opening day that we had anticipated and hoped for. I do appreciate that the voice of the Reds uh, and Tommy Thrall was uh, cool enough to hang out with us for a bit yesterday. We only had an hour show. We aired the spring, or not spring training, I'm sorry, the opening day game from last year. Um, and like I said, it wasn't the opening day game we were hoping for, but it was pretty cool just to hear baseball on the radio again. There's That's the one sport of all the sports out there. Basketball, football, what have you, hockey, it doesn't matter. Baseball is the best sport to listen to on the radio, bar none. And we hate that we don't know when the next baseball game is that we are going to air live for you here on the on, on Dayton's Home of the Reds, 1410 Wing AM. But it was still nice to hear Marty Brenneman yesterday. It really kind of brought me back a little bit because you started hearing Marty talk about, all right, we're off and rolling, 162 games, hopefully more, um, where we're talking about the career of Marty Brenneman. You think back to last year and how it wrapped up, uh, the final night game, him and Tom Brenneman, uh, you know, broadcasting live from the stands. I mean, how cool was that? I mean, I was at Great American Ballpark for Marty's final game, which is something weird to say. Hey, I was at the ballpark that day for a radio broadcaster who's inside, not outside. I was there for his final game. The Reds did a tremendous job of making it feel like Marty's last game. They honored Marty. I mean, Marty was the a rock star, man. They, they brought him out to the middle of the field. There was like hundreds of people gathered around him. It was unbelievable. Everyone had the radios. I mean, it was just a cool way to end the season. All I'm saying is, is that would I kill for baseball this year? Yes, but I'm so glad that Marty 
retired last year and was not having to balance his retirement with this year. Uh, if there was a if, if there's a plus to that, that's what it definitely is at this point. But let's talk a little baseball. Uh, at this point, again, we talked yesterday about Scott Boris, uh, again, MLB agent, who came out and basically said that, look, he's not opposed. He, he pitched the idea of potentially having World Series baseball you know, on Christmas Day, having a World Series on Christmas Day, one of the games being on Christmas Day. Um, we talked about why there's so many reasons why that's a bad idea, and uh, and he was against a shortened season. Even if we had a delayed start to the season, Scott Boris, uh, of course, no surprise, is against a shortened season. And I mentioned this yesterday. There's quite a few reasons why I believe, well, for one, I know why the players and I know why agents are going to say they don't want a shortened season. It's common sense. It's less money. It's that simple. I mean, it's really not that hard to figure out. Of course, Boris is going to say, hey, if we start the season in July, I don't care. We can play a full 162-game season uh, and we can have you know play World Series baseball during on Christmas Day. That's foolish. Not even going to get into that again. But here's why I do believe Major League Baseball is a is afraid to play a shortened season. I believe that fans think 162 games in three or four months is stupid. I believe U.S. fans think that's ridiculous. Would you mind watching doubleheaders on Saturday? Probably not. I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind if they started making it real gimmicky where all of a sudden you're playing doubleheaders on Saturday, but you're playing two seven-inning games. I think that's ridiculous. There's no need for that. I've read a few articles where that idea has been pitched around. But here's why Major League Baseball is in the position that they're in where they're trying to act as if they don't, you know, they have to get 162 games in. We're at the point now where they are afraid, in my opinion, I think Major League Baseball is afraid to have a shortened season in chance that it would reflect what they do not want to have reflect, which is that lesser games equals better product for the fans. Lesser games equals increase in urgency, which leads to increase in live attendance, which leads to increase in ratings. I believe that that is a huge problem for Major League Baseball because Major League Baseball's goal all along is we need a good six-month season because that's what leads to the bigger TV deals. The longer your product is on television, the more money you get. So it's very similar to the reasons that the agents, of course, want all 162 games and the players want as many games as possible is because more games equals more money. It's not hard to figure out. But Major League Baseball, like, keep in mind, like, they are spending, like, Rob Manfred is wasting everyone's time by trying to convince us all that pace of play is the problem. Rob Manfred is trying to waste our time trying to convince us that we need to put runners on second base in extra innings. Rob Manford is trying to do a lot of these weird, quirky things to fix the game, but the problems he's trying to fix aren't really problems. You, the fan, have never come out and said, man, maybe some of you might think that the game is too long, but for those of you who thoroughly enjoy baseball, like, think about this. Like, This is a tired argument, but it's a valid one. We love football, and football is a very long game. I have never once complained and said, my God, this Buckeye game is going on four hours. What the hell is going on? No. We love football, and I don't care if it's five or six hours. I'm going to enjoy football. Baseball, same thing. I don't. I mean, if I'm spending all that money to go to a game, I don't want to go there for a half hour and head home. So, like, that's kind of the point that we're at right now. Um, but, yeah, that's to me, Major League Baseball right now is afraid. They are afraid to prove the narrative that less games would increase to more urgency, to more butts and seats at ballparks, 
to higher ratings. I think there would be more TV ratings, higher TV ratings to, for, from fans to watch games that matter. I hate that after April when the Reds are out of it, we still have to watch all of May, June, July, and August and September. We have to watch five months of meaningless baseball after they bury themselves. Okay, but if you have a shortened season, obviously it's a much different case at that point, right? Like if it's a shortened season, every game matters. 162 games, you're not, you will never convince me that every game matters. And I don't want to hear about what, are the, what about the teams that just missed a game by one or two. Save it. 162 games, I don't need to watch a team play 162 times to know whether or not they're a playoff team. Hell, half the time we know by the end of April that the Reds are garbage. So why do I need to watch them for five months to find out if they're a playoff team? And don't give me the, oh, what about the Cardinals from a few years ago? They were 10-plus games back. And didn't, Shay, didn't they make up like all 10-plus games in one month? Like, Or was it the Red Sox? We had six the same, weeks or something like that. Six yeah. weeks. So in a month and a half, the Cardinals, correct? Not the Red Sox. Yeah, it was the Cardinals. The mm-hmm. Cardinals made up 10 and a half, 11 games in uh, six weeks. 10 sounds right, 10 and a half, yeah. But that doesn't happen often. No, not very often at all. Um, not enough to justify we got to keep 162 games because it's possible. Right. I remember back in 2012, the Rays were eight games back of a playoff spot um, heading into September, and they came back and won it on the last game of the season. But it's very rare. Like you said, it's happened maybe two or three times in the last generation. So, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm with you. I think even shortening it down to, like, 120 uh, or 100 even like I think that just makes it so much better because you're going to see teams like uh, last year I mean how many good teams were there that didn't end up getting to play in the playoffs and it felt like six months were a waste Arizona the New York Mets um, for parts of the season you could argue the Reds the Brewers the Cubs there's so many good teams that would have a much better shot of having meaningful baseball for every single game of the season like you said until um, unlike where it was last year where they played well for four and a half months, and they just couldn't catch one of the Giants in their division. All right, four five seven nine four six four. With that being said, uh, I mean, look, and, th- and that's the other thing that baseball is doing. Oh, let's add more playoff games. Am I against more play or more playoff teams? I'm not against more playoff teams, but again, that is not fixing the problem. We've talked about lack of star power, and it's not that there's lack of star power. I think there is star power in the league. I think there's lack of familiarity with the stars because the league does not promote their stars well. You don't get to see every star in your ballpark every year, as I've mentioned. Football, I know, 16 games, but like football is on, like, you get to watch every team in, major, in, in the NFL almost every Sunday. I mean, I live in Ohio, and I get to watch pretty much... I get to watch more Dallas Cowboy games than Browns games, almost, okay? Uh, because the Bengals come on every week over here. But you see what I'm saying. Like, you get to watch, You may not uh, get to watch every NFL star come into your, you know, favorite team's arena or stadium, but you are very well familiar with the league. The league does a great job of promoting all of their stars. You're familiar with everybody. Baseball, that's not the case. As I said before, Mike Trout... Best player in baseball. Historically, his numbers match up with the best of all time. And we maybe might get to see Trout maybe two more times the rest of his career. I think that's more of a problem than trying to find a way to fit 162 games in. That's my thing. Major League Baseball, they should just be happy at all if we get any of the season in. Now, with that being said, last night, and Shay, I I saw you tweet this out earlier today too. Last night, they were able to come up with agreement about how they were going to handle certain aspects of the season. If the season is somewhat lost, it does hurt the Reds. Uh, Service time will be counted, Mm -hmm. which means, for those of you who are not familiar with service time, that means if you have a one, if you have one year left on your contract, and this was the last year, Trevor Bauer is a prime example. Trevor Bauer has one year left on his contract with the Reds. They traded for him at last year's trade deadline with the mindset of. We're going to have them for a year and a half. We're going all in for 2020. We'll be in good enough shape that if we're winning enough games, we'll be able to convince them to stay and convince, you know, build a picture, a big picture. It's going to be a lot tougher to convince Bauer to commit long term to a team that hasn't proven anything yet. So that's a problem. So service time 
Bauer will be credited this year as service time, and the Reds could potentially lose him and not get to watch him pitch once in 2020. I don't like it, but I do understand it. I don't get how you force a player to right. spend. I mean, your contract ends at the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, as much as it pains me to see, you know, to want to argue that Bauer should be back next year, I understand their their dilemma here. Yeah. So many people were upset and ticked off about this. I'm not. It sucks for the Reds. Don't get right. me wrong. Who are the other players? I saw that. Um, uh, Di Sclafani and I believe Castellanos. For, oh, Castellanos. Oh, you mean just oh, the Reds. Oh, you meant in baseball in general. Real Muto, Real um, Muto Mookie so. Betts. So, Romuto, by the way, I envision him being a future Red, just throwing that out there. Uh, but, but anyways. <laughs> like, I, I, I kind of had a similar um, opinion on how you felt. Where uh, When I first looked at it, I'm like, yeah, this sucks because... If there ends up being no baseball in 2020, which obviously I don't think there will, or I think there will be baseball, I don't think the season's going to be canceled at this point, but it does suck because teams like the Dodgers that traded a big haul for Mookie Betts who may never play a game in a Dodger uniform, and if this season doesn't happen, you think about it, Bauer, DiSclefani, and um, Castellanos all have the option to hit free agency again with Bauer and DiSclefani being guarantees. When we were looking at this Reds team being, you know, maybe the best team in the Central, two-fifths of that starting rotation is gone, and the big bat that you signed could opt out of his contract, too. It could be a pretty messy situation, but I do think that Castellanos will stay. I think the reason why he had that opt-out was because he was anticipating his numbers jumping uh, in Great American Ballpark, and if he doesn't have a chance to play there, obviously I don't think any team will pay more than what the Reds paid him. But uh, it's it's just an interesting situation. I agree with you because I think the players needed to have this happen because age in sports is just such a big thing where there's such a huge difference between 28, 29, and 31, 32. And it may not seem like a big deal, but a 29-year-old Trevor Bauer hitting the market is so much more valuable than a 31-year-old Trevor Bauer hitting the market. And he's going to get a lot more money because of that. And the players at the end of the day have to look out for their, themselves. And Trevor Bauer wants his money. And it makes sense. All right, so we'll talk more about that coming up around the corner, but that is something to keep in mind. I think that's huge. Uh, I appreciate Major League Baseball, you know, doing that. I think that right now in this time where everyone is, you know, battling to keep their jobs or they've lost their jobs or they're stressed about, you know, losing their jobs, the last thing that we want to turn on the television for, well, actually is what we're always watching with this news right now, but... I don't want to watch a bunch of pro millionaires, pro athlete millionaires arguing over how much money that they're going to get because I don't really care that they might lose money on their contracts or their million dollar contracts or people that I know are losing their jobs left and right who could barely afford to live in the houses or apartments that they're living in. So I'm glad that baseball is not going that route. They made it, you know, I'm glad that they came to that agreement. Some don't agree with it, but I do like it. Now, with that being said, there's more. Um, ESPN's Jeff Passan came out a little bit ago earlier this afternoon around 1 o'clock and tweeted that the players and the league have agreed that the 2020 MLB season will not begin until... These stipulations are added, and these stipulations are important. And I'm curious, four five seven nine four six four. Do you believe that we will have a Major League Baseball season this year? We'll open up the phone lines. Here's the stipulations. Jeff Passan on Twitter says that the players and league have agreed to the 2020 MLB season that it will not begin until there are no bans on mass gatherings that limit the ability to play in front of fans. Okay, that's the first stipulation. The second stipulation that there are no travel restrictions. All right. The third stipulation, and this one's key, because I think that this is important right here. The third stipulation to whether or not Major League Baseball will begin a season is, is that medical experts have to determine that games will not pose a risk to health of teams 
in fans. And the reason I'm disappointed, not disappointed because it makes a ton of sense, but the reason that that disappoints me is because, unfortunately, folks, I just don't see how we're going to have a season. I mean, especially with that, if Major League Baseball, if MLB and the union both agreed to these stipulations, and the stipulation, the most important one to me that I circled that jumped off the page was that medical experts have to determine that games will not pose a risk to health of teams and fans. And to build off of that is that there are no bans on fans gathering or that there are no bans on mass gatherings that limit the ability to play in front of fans. That's the one I have a problem with. Like, I have a huge problem with that. I think these athletes, and maybe it's the fan in me that I'm just pissed because they won't provide us with something to watch, but I think it's really crappy that the players will not agree to play in empty stadiums and arenas in multiple sports. I heard LeBron James of the NBA yesterday uh, say that you know he would not be a fan, that he's not really going to support playing in front of empty arenas moving forward. I mean, are you kidding? Like, this is the problem I have, is where players are saying this as if they want... I mean, look, here's the deal. I, there's some days I'm working from home, other days I'm working here in the station depending on what needs done, and I'm doing it with no one in this building. I keep talking to all my coworkers who are miserable working from home that wish they were here with everybody else. I have friends who don't work here that work in other jobs or that have been let go. Everyone is having to do things at their job or are fortunate to ha- who are fortunate to have a job. Everyone's doing things with their job that they're not comfortable doing. And I just feel like that's what we have to do to keep things go. We have to keep you know, food on our table. We have to keep money coming in. And these athletes are getting money coming in whether they step foot on the field or on the courts or not. That's the problem I have with all of this. I have no problem with the stipulation being that medical experts determine that the games will not pose a risk to health of teams and fans. I don't have a problem with that. Look at the NBA. College basketball determined that the, the health of the players became front, you know, front, you know, front page news at that point. Look at the NBA. Look at all the players getting it. This was a, supposed to be a precaution to protect the fans, and then the players are getting outbreaks with it. And it's like, holy crap, this goes above the. This is beyond just the fans. We could play in front of empty arenas, but if the if the players are in danger, that's a, that's a whole other story. So I don't mind that one, but I don't like that the that the league has a, that that they have determined that they will not play in empty stadiums. That's ridiculous. And if you really want to go a step further, after the first month, more than half the league's playing in front of empty damn stadiums to begin with. So I think that's a stupid stipulation. Maybe it's the fan in me that's just angry because I want to see live sports that bad. But that, I think, is selfish on the players' part. We are all going through stuff ourselves. We are all having to adapt to our jobs. We are all have to, you know, working in environments that we're not comfortable in. And if the most uncomfortable thing for these spoiled ass athletes is that they might have to play in an empty stadium or arena, if that's the worst thing that they have to go through through this entire process, I think they have it made. So I hate that one. Other than that, I don't mind the other three stipulations, but it's starting to worry me that we may not have a 2020 Major League Baseball season. Four five seven nine four six four. Let's go to Steve in Fairborn. Steve, how are you? Justin, how you doing today? Good. Yourself? I'm fair to Midland, I guess, but, you know, I'm, I'm in agreement with you right now. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a live sport played in our country this year. I don't, I'm talking baseball. I'm talking football. I'm talking it all. And let me kind of tell you why. I work in the healthcare industry right now. Uh-huh. And by this time next week, it's projected that we're going to be having 800 to 1,000 people die a day in the United States. Jesus. Think about that. 800 to 1,000 die a day. Now, how long that's going to take? Who knows? But it's not going to peak for another six weeks. And that's that's the top of the hill. Oh, and that, and that's what I've said before. Like, in, the analogy I used with a friend yesterday is that, like, 
We right now are we're taking cover in our basements during a tornado watch. We haven't even got to the tornado warning part yet. Does that mean you know what I mean? Like oh. we we are acting as if the tornado has ripped through our houses this second and it hasn't. So that I'm with you. I just feel like we are at a point where we haven't even got to the brunt of this yet, unfortunately. And, uh, and but the players are sitting here acting. I mean, they should be upset that there might not be a season, and instead they're sitting there saying, "Well, if we're allowed to have a season, we're still not going to play if it's if, if it's in front of no fans." I'm like, "Give me a break." If that's the case, then half the Major League Baseball needs to be wiped out after April, anyways. Well, those stipulations that they put in place, there's no way. There's no I mean, way. Because the only way the only way it could might possibly happen is if you know there, there's no stands in, in the seats. Because this is, I mean, they're just that we're going to lose more people in our country than we lost in the whole Vietnam War. So we're talking 60,000 plus people that are going to have, you know, that's what they're projecting. So. Yeah, and when we get to that point, it's going to be it's going to be foolish even arguing about sports if it gets to that point, unfortunately. But, but here we are. But uh, yeah, I just. Unfortunately, I don't. The verbiage of this, I like that they try to get ahead of it, but it is signaling that we may not get to watch a live baseball game or listen to one here in 2020. Unfortunately. Well, and and putting old games on, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I got in, you know, started listening to the game the other day. I just couldn't get into it, turned it off. I mean, listening to old sports on the radio and watching old crap on TV. I'm a sports addict, just like you are, and. I'm starting to get CBGBs already, man. I can't imagine another two months, three months of this. So, but anyway, you take care, man. You too, Steve. Great hearing from you. Enjoy your weekend. All right, four five seven nine four six four. If you're just tuning in, it's the Justin Kinner Show right here on Dayton's ESPN Radio, fourteen ten Wing AM. Um. And here we are. We're Major League Baseball. Uh, they had a meeting last night, or they were able to come to agreement yesterday with some stipulations. Uh, basically, they were able to hash out a lot of things. I respect Major League Baseball for doing that. They were able to hash out a lot of how contracts were going to be handled, how service time was going to be handled if there is not a 2020 season. The other thing that they were able to hash out, and this came out earlier this afternoon, was that the players and the league have agreed that there will not be a start to the MLB season in 2020 until this criteria has been met that there will be no bans on mass gatherings that limit the ability to play in front of fans basically saying they will not they the players will not agree to play if they have to play in front of empty stadiums which I think is selfish as crap. I don't care what anybody says. I think the fact that you are still making millions and you're not losing any. I mean, the league bent over backwards to make sure that you got all your money. The league can easily just say, hey, you didn't play this year. These pro teams can just say, hey, you didn't play for us this year, so we don't have to pay you. Because isn't that kind of what's happening to us, to just us normal folk? You know, if we cannot do our jobs because of this, we don't get paid and we get let go. I mean, I, I'm I'm waiting every day to unfortunately have the you know the plug pulled. I'm praying that doesn't happen, all right. And I'm praying it doesn't happen for you sitting in your car, sitting in your living room at home listening, or if you're fortunate, sitting at work listening. However you're listening right now, I'm praying for everybody. I don't want that to happen. So I'm I get frustrated when I hear athletes like this who have no money concerns whatsoever have the nerve to say, yeah, well I know I'm still getting paid to do my job, but I'm not going to do my job unless it's completely comfortable. Screw you. That's messed up. I don't care. I, I don't really care what anyone says. That's messed up. We are all having to adapt to working in uncomfortable environments to make sure that we still get our jobs done. And yet here these pro-spoiled athletes have the nerve to say, yeah, we're not going to do our job unless everything's perfect, unless we're completely comfortable, unless we have our fans, unless we ha- – you know what I mean? Like, th- that's just ridiculous. Let's go to Ed and Dayton. Ed, what's up, man? Hey, I'll tell you what. I, as a UD fan, basketball fan, I guess the first thing I want to ask, did they have any kind of commemorative 
anything down there at that? Uh, I know the UD shop's probably not open right now, but do you know of anything that you can buy commemorative of the UD team this year? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, I'm, I to be honest, not off the top of my head. Um, I mean, there's been. I, I mean, other outside of just your regular apparel, no, I don't know. I mean, there was the A10 championship shirts, but I don't think there's anything else. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool if they had some gold coins or something. You know, something you could save. You know, we wore some, but, uh, but what were you? I mean, Ed, what did they? I mean, it's unfortunate they didn't get the tournament, but I mean, usually the coins are for like teams who win national championships. And stuff. I know, I know. <laughs> but this, this, I mean, this twenty nine and two will live a long time, and uh, of course, and the other thing is next year. They're not going to win 29 games. I mean, if they did, they're up with Gonzaga, dude. But I just that's that's a hard act to follow. But uh, the other thing I wanted to bring in is about baseball. I really don't miss baseball yet. I mean, uh, usually I don't go to a game maybe till late May. You know, when it warms up. How are you going to you know today if they were playing? How are you going to you know in the rain? So I mean. I don't really miss baseball, but I, I think like NBA, I can't see their ratings being that great when if they do come back this year. Now, uh, the NBA, I think here, well, to that point, I think NBA ratings are going to just be ginormous when it comes back because I think it's one of those things where we took, I think we kind of took for granted sports being on every night. It's, oh, the Lakers are on tonight. Oh, well, I'm sure they'll be on another 10 times. And, you know, I did that all the time. Oh, LeBron's on tonight. Oh, he'll be on another 1,500 times this season. I think that a lot of fans have that mindset. So when sports does resume, I'm not saying it'll sustain, you know, be, you know, stay that way. But I believe right away, I think the NBA ratings are going to, you know, go through the roof at the beginning. Uh, but man, I, I agree with you. I just baseball, I don't miss it yet. I wish it was on. I, I missed not having opening day yesterday. Uh, but no, we're not at the point yet where I feel like we, we haven't missed anything. We've only missed one game. Technically, we're right. only one game into the Major League Baseball season that we've missed. So I agree with you on that. Well, it's it's amazing. They. They could sit out. They could say, no, we're not going to play for, and then still get paid. That's amazing. I had no idea about that. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, you know, I will, you know, when the NCAA tournament's on, I would have watched multiple games. But with, with the NBA, I don't think, I'm not really an NBA fan, I guess. I, I don't care if, you know, there's a strike or not strike short season, but, uh, you know, coronavirus or sword season. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I'm not going to watch. I'm a Laker fan, and LeBron James just turns me the wrong way. I just don't, I don't like to watch him play. I mean, it's been like well, that way when he was with Cleveland. I just, I don't like his attitude, but, you know, I, I, I'll root, I'm a Laker fan. I used to root for Will Chamberlain, Jerry West when I was 10, and I'm going to root for the Clippers because well, I just I just do not like the way LeBron James handled it. You stuff. say that about LeBron, and it's funny because he ticked me off the other night with his tweet. I'm so, like, hot and cold with LeBron. Like, one night I can't stand him. The other night I'm a big fan of him. But the other night his tweet ticked me off when he had the nerve to say, oh, man, tonight I should be playing in front of my friends and family in Cleveland because I think two nights ago the Lakers were supposed to be playing in Cleveland. And he had the nerve to tweet that. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, tonight I should have been playing in front of my friends and family in Cleveland, the team that you left twice. Like, what do you? I don't right. feel bad for you. <laughs> like, like right. maybe that wouldn't be your only time playing in Cleveland if you wouldn't have divorced your team twice. Like, so I don't feel bad for him on that. But I know what his message is: is you know he should be playing in a big game on the season. So I get what he meant. But trust me, the optics just looked kind of funny. Well, and that, that makes a guy like Johnny Bench look all the more better. You know, he stayed with the Reds his whole career, never went to another team. I really respect that now. You know, a guy that'll just, 
even these baseball players in today's game that will play their whole career with one team, I think that's pretty cool. So. But, all right, Ed, good hearing from you. All right, thanks. Four five seven nine four six four. But yeah, Major League Baseball, uh, at least, you know, I think that the NBA is still working hard to try and, and get some games in. I, I still think out of all the sports that have been postponed, I say all, but like the NHL, uh, Major League Baseball, and the NBA, of all the sports that have been put on hiatus or put on hold at the moment, I think of all of them, the NBA has the best shot of coming back. Agree? Disagree? Uh, I, I totally agree with you. I know earlier today... Um Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell were both cleared of coronavirus. Um, I know there's still a couple players on the Lakers, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, as well as a, a couple others that are still dealing with it. But I think the NBA has been the one league that's um, been open to the idea of playing in empty arenas. I think the NBA is the most forward-thinking and proactive of the major sports leagues. Uh, this coming from a huge baseball fan, I think baseball is probably the worst. But uh, I do agree with you. I think if any league comes back... Um, in the next two months or even early summer, I think it's the NBA. All right, we'll be back in a moment. We'll pick up with more of the Justin Kinner show on the other side of this. I'm just curious people's thoughts when you hear those stipulations and you hear the v- words that were you know used in the wording of the of the stipulation. Do you believe that we will have a 2020 Major League Baseball season in any capacity, whether it's a shortened season, full season? Uh, I don't care what the I don't care what kind of season we get. Will we see one single baseball game? The rest of 2020, 4579464. Also coming up around the corner, we're going to get into what Kirk Herbstreit had to say about the 2020 college football season. And that also has an overlap with what we just discussed. We'll be back in just a moment. E. Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Four five seven nine four six four. We are back. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN Radio, fourteen ten Wing AM. If you have an Alexa device, take advantage of all the Alexa skills. All you have to do to listen to fourteen ten ESPN Radio is say, "Hey Alexa, launch ESPN Dayton." It's that simple, and you'll be able to tune into fourteen. Concerns me, like why are these big events? Like that's why I just feel like everyone is operating on their own intel or on their own guts because. We're sitting here hearing that, oh, well, Major League Baseball or NBA might resume in June. But then there's majors in June that are being postponed. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's weird. I don't know what to buy into, and I'm trying to stay as positive as possible. And it's difficult to do, as all of you know right now. Um, but when it comes to sports, and there's always stuff going on. I, I You know, we're going to get into the NFL draft discussion here in a moment. Roger Goodell, who I normally do not agree with kind of stepped back at his critics a little bit. And I don't agree with him often, but I love his his reasoning and his explanation for why the, the NFL draft is going to continue on <clears throat> and stay as is. So we'll have that coming up in a moment. But So I got to thinking about the way that you know our sports viewing experience is going to change moving forward. Uh, I know a lot of you aren't wrestling fans out there. You're not wrestling fans. Uh, but for those of you who are, or even if you're not a fan but have been curious as to what wrestling has been like in front of empty arenas throughout the country, or at least the Performance Center in Florida, if you've tuned in, it's weird. It's very strange. You know, you have the wrestlers coming out to the ring, and they're almost like trying to build up. They're trying to pump up a non-existing crowd. I think they do it out of habit. Maybe they're being instructed to. I don't know. But it is very strange. And you have the build-up to WrestleMania, which is like two weeks away. And they're doing all of these shows in empty arenas uh, at the Performance Center. WrestleMania is going to be done in an empty arena. Uh, It's, you know two-night event. It's going to be at two different venues. One, the Performance Center, I believe, and another one somewhere else. I don't even know where. 
With that being said, they are pre-recording or they're taping a lot of their matches. They're adjusting. They're going to continue to you know to roll out content. In WrestleMania, they are not postponing it. Everyone thought they would postpone it. We knew that there was going to be no way that they were they were going to be able to hold WrestleMania in a huge stadium over there in Tampa. But unlike other sporting events, and I don't really want to get into a debate about whether you think you know wrestling is a sport or not. They don't pretend to be a sport. They are athletes. They call it sports entertainment. It is what it is. Take your childish arguments elsewhere. I'm not trying to get into a, you know, it's not real, right? I don't really care about that. The bottom line is, is it's something that draws, whether it's an 80,000, uh, you know, seat stadium or whether it's 100,000 or whatever it is. It's interesting to me that you know they draw a crowd no matter what. Now they're doing it in empty stadiums. So when you start thinking about how your sports viewing experience is going to change moving forward, tune into a wrestling show over these next couple weeks, maybe months, maybe the rest of the year. That's what it's like. Again, I don't care if you like wrestling or not. All I'm saying is to tune in. To watch a show that had the thousands of fans in attendance and watch one of the current ones now without fans. It's drastically different. Does it ruin... Your viewing experience. Again, take the, take your fandom or non-fandom out of it. Would it take your viewing experience and ruin it? Could you, I like, I'm, I'm sitting here because someone tweeted me earlier and said, well, you know, after I went on that huge rant about frustrated that the baseball players don't want to play in empty stadiums and all that, and same thing with the NBA guys, and I'm sure when we get closer to NFL season and whatnot, they might share the same views. But my thing is, is I'm mad at them because, oh, they don't want to work unless it's a completely comfortable working environment. Well, I think we all would at this point, but that's we all don't get what we want as far as that's concerned. So I feel like they should be able to make that sacrifice as well. Playing in an empty stadium or arena, to me, is not that big a deal. You know, the fact that they are still getting paid and they're still trying to dictate stipulations like, yeah, we're not playing if it's in an empty stadium, I think that's crap. But from a viewing standpoint, for you, the fan, I know you're a baseball fan, you guys are baseball fans, NBA fans, football fans. I know it won't be the same, but would it get to the point where you don't even want to watch it at all? Do you even want baseball back? If, if we were told that the rest of 2020, folks, let's fast forward. Let's get to August and September and October and November. Buckeye football, would you watch college football on television, would it still be a big deal to you watching the Buckeyes play in an empty stadium, in an empty shoe? Imagine a college football game at the shoe with no fans. Would that, I mean, would that impact your desire to even want to watch college football in 2020? Four five seven nine four six four. I went on this huge rant about I think that the players are being very petty and not wanting to play in empty stadiums, and I think it's horrible. They should want to play for the fans, but do the fans even want sports if it's in in front of empty stadiums? I'm not going to lie. When I found out that March Madness was going to potentially be played in empty arenas and Flyer fans, I'm especially curious for you. I I thought it was dumb. I was like, I'd rather it just be canceled. That was my mindset. As much as I love college basketball, I was kind of like, you know, I'd rather it just be canceled. I'd rather, to be honest. Like, and so I'm sitting here, I sound hypocritical because I'm like, oh, these players should want to play for the fans. But for my personal viewing experience, I don't really want to watch baseball in an empty stadium, although I've been a Reds fan for five years. So it really wouldn't look that different. I think of all the sports out there, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, the one sport that could probably get away with playing in empty stadiums around the, the league, baseball is probably the most aesthetically pleasing of them all. Basketball is going to be strange watching NBA games in empty arenas if it happens. College football, I can't imagine watching Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, and those other teams playing at their home stadiums or at any stadium, and it be empty. I just don't, I, I can't picture that. Uh, I can't, you know what I mean? Like college basketball, March Madness, I was still trying to process how the hell that was going to look. It was crazy. 
Baseball, I can picture, though. I could picture the Reds playing all year with no fans there. Like, that's not a joke. I'm just being serious. Like, baseball, I think, of all the sports, is the most aesthetically pleasing considering the circumstances. But four five seven nine four six four. If let's talk NBA, college football, NFL, Bengals fans, you're about to get Joe Burrow. Browns fans, you've just seen all this, you know, everything that they redid to bolster that roster for the second straight offseason. All the excitement for both of these teams, all three of them, if you count Ohio State football as well, heading into the fall, is that going to change your excitement? Is that going to take away your excitement level, or do you just want to watch your team regardless? Do You, you don't even care if there's fans there. You're going to watch your team no matter who is in attendance. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Will that impact your desire to watch pro sports? Do you want pro sports back, even if it means empty stadiums? And next. You're listening to the Reds 2019 Sports Medicine is a truly unique sports medicine in professionals. We offer services that include physical therapy and sports medicine, functional assessment, wellness and fitness programs, return to sport, sport performance, and sports skills programs. Strength. Now, back to the Justin Kidder Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. So another tweet from ESPN's Jeff Passan, of course, feeding off the three stipulations that the uh, union and major that Major League Baseball and the union agreed upon. These three stuff is not true. More the tweet did come out, so there is that. Um, but you have to think that there's a good chunk of these athletes who do not want to play in front of empty stadiums. But no one wants to do anything that's different with their everyday today job right now. But yet here we are. Um, but the thing that stood out to me the most was where it points out the fact that they would consider playing games at neutral sites instead of home ballparks. Uh, Shay, you brought up a good point during the break. What do you do about teams from Canada right now? The Canada, you know, mm-hmm. the border, uh, you know, there's no travel at all uh, from Canada to U.S. or U.S. to Canada and vice versa. So, I mean, maybe there could be some consideration. Look, by the way, those restrictions that are now because of where we're at, if those restrictions are still in place, that means that, these countries are still in positions where we can't even consider live sports, which means this is all irrelevant talk anyways. Uh, but, yeah, they do have teams that are outside of the U.S. Uh, jurisdiction technically anyways. Right, yeah. Um, they, uh, like I said, like we were talking about, there's, I mean, Toronto, there's six or seven NHL teams, which I know we don't talk a ton of hockey on this show, but hockey's so prevalent in there, the NHL. Yeah, there you go. But Canada's so prevalent in the NHL and stuff, I don't know how the NHL is going to – even think about continuing its season as long as there's a travel ban and Canada can't even open its borders at this point. Basketball and baseball might be a little easier just because there's only one team in each sport from Canada, but it's still an interesting debate because um, even though Toronto's an indoor stadium for the Blue Jays and the, obviously the Raptors, uh, I just don't know how they do it because, and I think that's part of the reason why baseball had that implemented because there's just no way they'd be able to rework the schedule until all teams are ready to go, but it it makes you wonder because you never really think about the one team in Toronto, but it could end up playing a huge role on whether the season can start in June or whether you have to push it back even farther or even not have it go. Now, you said another tweet just came out from uh, Bob Nightingale. Nightingale. Yep, and Bob Nightingale said uh, another thing that had to do with this um, kind of agreement between the Players Association and Major League Baseball. Um, it comes with a little bit of a, a difference, uh, I guess I should say, uh, where they are willing to play regular season games up until Thanksgiving if they have to. They want to play as many games as possible, which we've heard 
on numerous occasions. Uh, still having an all-star game is considered unlikely, but has not been ruled out. It's in L.A. It should be ruled year. out. That's stupid. Like, with everything going on right now, the least of my concerns is an all-star game, and they better not waste one damn second trying to find a way to get an all-star game in in a year that you're not going to get 162 games in to begin with. And to have an all-star game means you have to have an all-star week, which means that's a week off for everybody who's starting now is technically everyone's vacation because right. you're going to be off all of April. You're going to be off all of May, most likely. Uh, in best-case scenario, you're back by June. There is no all-star break they better not even consider and i think if you're if you really want to have some kind of all-star game exhibition game to honor all your best players it's in los angeles this year just do it after the season's over in like an nfl kind of pro bowl format where you just have an exhibition game with all the game superstars california you can play baseball in california 12 months a year it's no big deal to push it back until january february whatever even you know a couple weeks after the world series uh, and then uh, Joel Sherman came out, who's with uh, the New York Times and the New York Post, came out uh, a couple minutes later after Nightingale and said uh, that also this agreement includes includes a promise to begin immediately discussing a faster spring training, an accelerated spring training schedule, uh, expanded rosters for this season, as well as split DHs, which brought up an interesting debate. Is there any chance that they do the DH in both leagues for this season only to kind of test it out for future use and uh, to prevent you know injury risks for uh, hitters that haven't had a full workout or pitchers that yeah. are kind of pitching after and, you know three months off? And we'll f- I mean. Uh, look, I, I'm okay with that. I don't mind the DH in both right off the bat if they want to use it as a testing thing. But they better treat this as a legit season and not an experimental thing where they're adding all these extra rules in. Now, I don't mind the roster expansion from 25 to 20 or 26. To, the last year was 26. I think, they, I think I've heard they might go up to 30 just to have some extra pitchers on uh, uh, extra arms key, and stuff. And that's good yeah. for David Bell. So there mm-hmm. you go. Especially... Uh, well, you know, he's not able to do... He, the three-batter minimum is still going to be in effect, so there's that. All right, uh, hour one in the books, hour two coming up. We'll talk some Buckeye football with Austin Ward from Letterman Row at 4.30. Also, let's talk some college football on the other side of the break. A little bit of... Uh, we're kind of bouncing off of this a little bit because Kirk Herbstreit, we're talking about the doubts that we have about potentially seeing a 2020 Major League Baseball season. There may be doubts about a 2020 college football season. Kirk Herbstreit explains why. We'll be back in a moment. Ethan Kinner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. Justin Kinner Show. We are off and rolling here on a Friday, right here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. Major League Baseball being very proactive in in its approach and decision-making on how they plan on coming back and resuming play or whether they come back at all. Keep in mind, yesterday was supposed to be opening day. We aired last year's opening day uh, against the Pirates, the 5-3 win. Darren Dietrich, the huge three-run home run in the seventh inning. They gave the Reds the lead and go on to hold on for the lead. I mean, you know, watching that game, listening to the game yesterday, I mean, I just got goosebumps thinking about, you know, watching baseball, Reds baseball. I'm I'm praying that ev- all the negativity, all the negative talk about there not being a season, which of course I'm I'm pandering towards. I get that I'm adding to it. Don't get me wrong, but I have to at least touch on all the realistic possibilities. I'm just really I'm hoping that we get some Major League Baseball in this year. I'm hoping we get some Reds baseball in this year, and I'm sure all of you are. 
as well. Uh, Larry from Milano has just dropped off, I, I mean, two boxes, three, four boxes, or two boxes of food, an entire bag of food. I'm trying to figure out what's all in there. Uh, I'll read that list here in just a moment. I haven't even dove in yet. Shay, you were saying something about pepperoni sticks. Yeah, there's a, some pepperoni breadsticks. There's some boneless wings. Okay. A sub. All right. Well, Larry, I promise I'm going to get to that coming up here. I haven't even been able to dig into it yet. So, uh, But, yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. But for those of you out there, again, continue sorting, uh, supporting local business. Uh, you know, A lot of businesses still open for carryout and delivery. Uh, so make sure you're taking advantage of that. Milano's dropping off food uh, for me here tonight and shave uh, for us to have for dinner. So our dinner is taken care of. Uh, I consider you, I really highly recommend that you guys consider using Milano's tonight as well. And I'll, I'll dive into what he brought us here in just a moment. So let's get into this. Major League Baseball, as I talked about, they've been very aggressive and trying to, you know, hash out a plan. I give them credit. They are being very proactive with this. That's something that's very unlike Major League Baseball. Um, usually Major League Baseball, they have to let 10, uh, you know, 10 five-year-old kids get killed by a line drive ball in foul territory before they actually decide that they want to put a net up, right? Like they are, you know, they, how many uh, people have to use steroids and how many decades of steroid usage had to go on before they finally decided to do something about it? Uh, how, how many years do they know about the Astros cheating scandal before they finally decided to do something about it, right? Like, that's Major League Baseball in a nutshell. So I give them credit for this, who they have been very proactive in having a plan in place and being prepared for whatever scenario plays out uh, as far as when we could expect to see Major League Baseball resume, or not just resume, but started season. The NBA looking to resume. Uh, as well, again, that sport as of three weeks ago, coming to a halt, and we thought that they'd be playing again by now. I mean, we're heading into the last couple of days of March. We thought for sure they'd be back on the hardwood it may not even be end of April um, before they're back on the hardwood. They may not be back on the hardwood at all. Another sport that's in jeopardy right now is football, both college and pro. College and NFL. Kirk Herbstreit was it last night? Shay, what was it last night? He was on. I have an audio. Yeah, I believe it was yeah. last night on ESPN Radio. On ESPN Radio last night again. It was supposed to be a simple little interview, and then all of a sudden it went viral because Kirk Herbstreit goes on this long rant about why he believes. We may not have a college football season, and although I don't want to hear that, I mean, look, uh, how? I mean, right now it's not safe to say that we won't have a season when we're sitting here in March still, and the season doesn't even start till August. So I think it's a little premature to say that. However, when you hear his explanation as to why, he's kind of on to something. This isn't something that is going to disappear. There is not, you know, a vaccine out there that is going to eliminate this by August. Even if we, you know, level the curve, even if we get to where we're, where we deem that it's okay, we, it's taken a positive turn, that we are in control of this or that we at least have it under control for the time being, that does not eliminate the threat to the coronavirus. Right now, we don't have control of it. We're trying to at least get ahead of it to tad and slow it down to give us more time to be able to come up with the, with the vaccine to, to rid it, right? So, like, that's the, that's the concern right now, and we're hearing anywhere between, what, 12 and 18 months, depending on who you talk to. I know everyone out there is a medical expert. Everyone uh, knows someone who's a medical expert. Everyone has some kind of varying different opinion, no matter who you talk to. But regardless, whether it's six months, 12 months, 18 months, that's a long time. Six months is a half a year. 12 months, as you know, is a full year, okay? 18 months, I mean, we could do the math, folks. Like, that that's that's my concern, and uh, when you listen to Kirk Herbstreit, that's his concern as well. Now, Kirk Herbstreit was on uh, the Paul Feinbaum show earlier this afternoon to further his uh, his comment and, and to elaborate a little further. Here's Kirk Herbstreit earlier today on the Paul Feinbaum show. Don't, don't get me wrong. If there's anybody that wants to... Don't, don't get me wrong. If there's anybody that wants a football season more than me, I'd love to meet them. Like, I... 
hope and pray there's a football season. I hope we're in a position where we can have a football season. I'm not trying to create drama or hysteria. I'm just trying to be real. From everything I hear, we're scratching the surface as far as New York and New Jersey and Miami and Seattle and these other epicenters. We're just scratching the surface of where we're going to be in two weeks or three weeks or five weeks or eight weeks. I don't know how it ends. I don't know how America, how we just go, whew, we made it, other than a vaccine. I don't know, you, you tell me, somebody enlighten me. What, what will make you and your family that you love and care about, what will make you go, whew, thank goodness, that was scary. I don't, I'm just, I can only speak for me and my family. And until there's a vaccine, I don't feel really comfortable if one of my teenage sons says, hey, dad, I'm going to go over to this area where there's 30, 40, 50 people and we're going to be really close and hanging out. Uh, no, you're not. No, we're not, not right now. We're good. We're not doing that. So when am I going to stop feeling that way? I don't know the date. None of us know that date. He brings up a good point in 457-946 for immediate reaction. For those of you who heard Kirk Herbstreet's comments last night and heard him on the Paul Feinbaum show earlier this afternoon elaborating on those comments, he brings up a lot of good points. I know people don't want to hear that. Uh, you know, I stated earlier that, uh, you know, let's say that there is a season, but there's still the, the mandate that they have to play in, you know, no fans are allowed to attend these games. That's crucial as well. How does that impact your game, live game viewing experience? Does that take away enough of the experience that you say, you know what, I really don't want anything to do with this uh, for this year. I might tune in from time to time, but it looks weird. I used the wrestling example from earlier on in the show. When you tune into WWE events right now, it's the same stars, it's the same storylines, it's the same broadcast commentary team, but it's not the same experience. There's no fans there. I don't care if you're a wrestling fan or not. You don't need to be a wrestling fan or not to know just how different and uncomfortable and weird it is to watch them wrestle and perform and do a three-hour show in front of no live fans. Can you imagine watching the Buckeyes against Oregon next year in front of no fans? I mean, does that, does that, does that impact you and your excitement level for the Buckeyes? It kind of does for me. Not really for the Buckeyes, but for college football in general. It kind of waters it down a bit, right? But Kirk Herbstreit brings up a good point whether or not we could even potentially have a college football season. And here's the deal. I think, and I mentioned this earlier, college football is going to run into, and not just college football, but the NFL as well. The NFL is going to run into the same thing that the NBA did. The NBA had every intention. I mean, look, that night that they canceled that Jazz Thunder game, uh, when they thought that they, you know, they, that was going to be the last night of, of fans in, you know, in attendance at a game, that was going to be the last night of it moving forward. The NBA had not canceled the season up to that point. They were still planning on playing in empty arenas moving forward. But what happened? It wasn't the fans that were the problem anymore. What was the what the plan originally was was to play in empty in empty stadiums, play in empty arenas, uh, whether it's baseball, football, whatever sport it is, with the hopes of hey, we need to limit the gatherings of large crowds, ten thousand plus fans, twenty thousand plus fans, uh, to help prevent the spread of the coronavirus. So we're going to take live fans out of it. That was the thinking originally. I don't even think that the players had even been thought about or considered. I mean, we act like, oh, if they play in an empty arena, that'll keep them from getting it, as if these guys are robots that they put in a box and put in the, in the, in the cupboard until they're ready to be brought out to play with the next night. It doesn't work that way. Reality sunk in for all of sports the second that Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus. 
And then it got real with Donovan Mitchell. And then Kevin Durant. And then the four Nets players. The two players for uh, the Lakers that are unidentified at this point. And to be honest with you, if you think that the last player that was announced as having the coronavirus was the last player in the NBA to have the coronavirus, you are so mistaken. The NBA realizes that their goal to get back on the air, to get back on the court, is to try to alleviate the minds, the perception of the league being this just infected league with the coronavirus. I do believe, because they're not allowed to legally come out and say, hey, here's all the players that have it. All right, uh, I saw Cat Williams, or not Cat Williams, holy smokes, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns uh, just came out two nights ago with a very emotional message uh, to all NBA, just all fans in general, just human beings in general about the severity of it, that his mom, uh, a fairly healthy woman, was, you know, I think in a, in a coma, in a health-induced coma, or in a, an induced coma because of everything going on of her reaction to the coronavirus. Like, the league has so many players infected with this, but they're not going to come out and tell you who it is anymore. I think that there's way more players in, in the league that are infected with this that we don't even know about. I guarantee you that there are Major League Baseball players, and their agents have said, hey, do not let this get out. We cannot let anyone know that you have it. HIPAA laws will prevent it. that will protect them. Hopefully this doesn't get out, but I think that right now, what every league fears, pro league especially, in college when we get to that point, is what do we do the second that one of our players comes is tested positive? Like, that's where the real non-fun begins. The NBA, it's going to be tough for the NBA to come back from this. Like, Major League Baseball, the perception's not that bad about MLB right now. We have heard of zero players testing positive, but I promise you, I guarantee you there are multiple players who have tested positive, but it has not been leaked yet. It has not been made public. I guarantee you these pro teams and leagues are advising these players, to, if you have it, do not announce it. Do everything you can to keep it private. Because they don't want it getting out there. It's bad. It's not a good look. Because then what happens is, is when play does resume, when that player who tested positive for it steps into the box for baseball, you're going to be questioning, oh, does he still have it? Oh, man, if he had it, how many of the other teammates had it? And how many people do they spread it to? And, and that type of thing. Like the NBA is going to face that moving forward. When play does resume, every time you watch the Jazz, you're going to be looking at, at Gobert. You're going to be looking at Donovan Mitchell. You're going to be looking at those guys cr- scratching your head saying, do they still have it? Who did they infect? I wonder what other teams have it. Like, there's no way that only those six or seven or eight handful of players had it. There has to be way more. With those players in those small spaces and the small groups that they you know hang out in, I'm telling you, more people have it. They just haven't announced it. So imagine the PR if that happens in college football. And I don't care if it's here in Dayton. I don't care if Rick Chamberlain's team, a player at Dayton gets it. It's going to take one college player, whether it's D1, D2, NAI, it doesn't matter. It's going to take one college athlete to come down with it before it makes the news. And then, you know what I mean? One football player gets it, they all have it. One basketball player got it. It took down all of basketball. Rudy Gobert took down high school basketball, college basketball, and the pros. One player. Sure, you can say Donovan Mitchell and others. I think the mass. Keep in mind, we didn't know. By the time that everything was canceled and announced as postponed and canceled, we had only heard of one athlete coming down with the coronavirus, and that was Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert single-handedly knocked out high school basketball, boys and girls high school basketball, boys and girls sports in general in high school, all of college athletics, and all of the pros. One name. So when you listen to what... He just said, talking, of course, about Kirk Herbstreit, when he brings that up, that there's no cure for this right now, there's no vaccine for this, and that there's so many unknowns, it's going to take one college football player or one NFL player to wipe out all football players. There will be no high school football, no college football, 
in no NFL Sundays. That's my biggest concern about everything going on right now. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Am I overreacting? Are you overreacting? Are you reacting properly? Are you concerned that we will not? I mean, right now we're talking about Major League Baseball season. Will we see a baseball game? Football fans, is it too early to start having doubts about whether or not we will get to watch football come the fall? We'll discuss and take your calls next. Now, back to the Justin Kidder Show, right here on ESPN Dayton. 1410 Wing AM. ESPN's Brian Windhorst was just on SportsCenter earlier this afternoon. Interesting note from his take and his interview on SportsCenter stating that he is totally fine just sitting back and, you know, Collecting the check, regardless of whether they're winning or not. And that's my biggest frustration about pro sports. But now the NBA finds himself in a bit of a predicament here. The NBA right now, you have to play, and I didn't know this, you have to play at least 70 of the 82 games to get the TV deal money. That's crazy. And So what are they at right now? Just look up, Shay, what's the... What are the standings at I right think, now? I think most teams are about 63, 65 games. 63, 65. So... I do believe that the NBA, and I'll lose respect for the NBA if they do this, if they force the start of the league back to try to sneak in those five whatever games, eight games that they need to get to 70, and then another outbreak happens or another player gets it, and then they cancel the season immediately after that without even thinking of of playoffs, that to me is a bad look. That to me, I mean, it makes good business sense. I mean, that's where you got to start talking about the ethics of all this. I mean, look, from a business standpoint, hey, if we can resume the NBA season and not even fight to have fans at our games, but we could at least get the games back on the floor and on television, and we can get to 70 games, the league has to get to 70 games for them to get that billion-dollar TV deal, or million, whatever, million, billion, whatever. It's more than a million, you see my point. But, like, the billion-dollar TV deal, the rights deal, they have to play at least 70 games. What are they at now? Uh, right now, I'm looking at uh, a lot of these teams here at the top of each conference. Um, the Bucks have played 65. The Raptors have played 64. Boston's played 64. So they're all right around. All within five or six games. Uh, yeah, all within about six, seven. Um, the most I'm seeing that needs to be played is 62. So all with less than 10 games away from getting to seven. And look, Adam Silver, the one thing that he has proven, and this started back at the beginning of the season with the China debacle, really... He doesn't care, like business comes first, and he doesn't care about the negative PR that comes with it. It was a bad look for the NBA when the season started, when they continued to play games over in China, despite everything going on over there, and yet none of the players would come out and speak against the horrible things going on in China, but yet you had LeBron James, who couldn't couldn't wait to take a shot at Donald Trump every every shot that he got. It was a bad look for the NBA that your players have no problem whatsoever ripping our president, but they have all of a sudden they zip their lips because what? They they ignore all they act like they have morals over here that they don't want to play in a country that has a president like Donald Trump, but yet over in China they would go play money or go play games over there. No questions asked because of all the money that they're going to make. I had a, I have a problem with that. I thought it was a bad look for the NBA. You know, I, we don't talk politics on the air, and I don't really want to get into politics, but I do think that it is fair to point out the hypocrisy there. I don't care what your political side is. I don't care what the player's political side is, but I do find it it's a horrible look for the league when your athletes are known for ripping 
the president of the United States, but yet all of a sudden they have no opinion about what's going on in China because, hey, they got to make sure that, you know, if Trump was threatening to take their money away, then all of a sudden we'd all of a sudden start seeing them salute the president no matter who it is, right? But because they can say whatever they want about the president of the United States in this country and not be reprimanded for it financially, guess what? They do it. But when they start talking about government over in China and their money could be impacted, all of a sudden they don't have a political opinion. That's a bad look. So I bring that up to say that Adam Silver does not care about the negative PR that comes with decisions that are being made that bring in these big dollars. And big dollars include the TV deal. And if they come back for five or six games to get that you know, TV deal because you have to get to that 70-game marker, guess what? They're going to do it. And if another positive test comes out for one of the players, don't be surprised if they just quickly cancel the season once they get to that 70-game mark. And they say, you know what? The playoffs aren't necessary. We're good. Would they lose money not having the playoffs on TV? Absolutely. But do you see my point? Like they, they need to get the max TV dollar deal, they have to at least play 70 games. All the teams are sitting at about 64, 65 games at the moment. You come back knowing that you're risking the players' safety and health. You know what I mean? Like so, if the if play resumes a month from now, I mean we're being told by health officials, scientists, we're being told by like. Next month is going to be the deadliest month in this country when it comes to the coronavirus. And we're hearing from the NBA, hey, we're hoping to get started here in about a month. We're hoping to have, you know, games resume. No fans, though. We're not even going to fight for fans, but we want the players to play. They want to get to that five or six games so they can get their TV deal. And if a player gets sick in the process, you know what, so be it. Then they'll cancel the season to make it look like they're taking, that they have all this concern about it. If they have concern about it at all, don't even play. I applaud Major League Baseball coming out and saying, you know what, we're not even going to risk it. If, there's, if, if medical experts come out and say that there is any kind of risk for the players or fans, we're not even going to risk playing in 2020. You don't have to like that as fans. I don't like it, but I respect the hell out of it. I don't respect the NBA if they come back and play, knowing that there's a chance that these players can get sick again. But, hey, all that matters is that they get their TV deal. That's sickening to me. Adam Silver is the one owner or one uh, you know, of all the sports out there. Or the commissioners, I respect him the most, but I will lose respect for him depending on how the rest of this season plays out in the NBA. All right, enough of that. Let's talk some college football. Let's talk some Ohio State football. Ohio State, despite all the negativity in our world right now, and there are a ton of excuses as to why recruiting should be taking a dip. Why no? Like we, right now, we shouldn't be expecting to hear all these you know, big commitments and signings that Ryan Day and the staff has been able to accomplish. We shouldn't be hearing any of that considering the circumstances, but yet they've been able to battle through it and bring in one hell of a 2021 class. And there's still some more talent coming in for potentially 2020. Let's talk about that coming up on the other side of the break with Austin Ward from Letterman Row. Buckeye Football Talk next. Don't go anywhere. Mike, what are you doing? I'm getting ready for Drive One Car and Truck Spring Sale. That sounds great, but why are you revving your car up like that? Well, they say if you ain't first, you're last. And I want to get those deals before they're gone. Drive One has two locations in Springfield. One lot with pickup trucks and large SUVs, and the other with cars and crossovers. Check them out on Facebook and see all the great things people say. They service and back their cars with a limited powertrain for six months. They do things the right way. And online at driveonecarandtruck.com. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. 
So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Can a tree change a life? At Trees for the Future, we believe trees make all the difference in the fight against poverty, hunger, and climate change. Through a proven permaculture method called the Forest Garden Approach, Trees for the Future has positively impacted... the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN Radio, 1410 Wing AM. Follow on Twitter. Contribute on Twitter at 1410 Kinner. That's K-I-N-N-E-R at 1410 Kinner. Taking your tweets and reaction throughout the show. We step away from, uh, of course, the Major League Baseball discussion that we'll get back into coming up in Hour 3 to discuss a little college football. We talked a little college football earlier with the reaction to what Kirk Herbstreit had to say about the potential future of the college football season here in 2020. That's a little too scary to talk about, so we're going to just uh, move forward as if there is going to be a season, and one reason that there is a lot of excitement about college football is because of, despite all the negativity uh, you know, going on with everything that we are going through, the one thing that has been a positive has been, of course, the NFL free agency talk, the draft around the corner, and then, of course, the job that Ryan Day and his staff have done for the Buckeyes in, in recruiting. I mean, those three things have really been something to help take our minds off of everything and content, to continue that here to keep our minds off of everything going on. Let's talk a little college football, Ohio State football with Austin Ward from Letterman Row. Austin, welcome in, man. How are you? Doing great, buddy. How are you? Good. Now, I have to ask, uh, considering what you do in the times that we're in right now, I, were you a little concerned at some point that there would be a shortage in content? Because I feel like there's been more content this last two or three weeks during this than at any normal given time. I mean, good for you and good for us, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm very thankful for what you just said. It was Ryan Day and his staff uh, continuing to roll. It's given uh, Jeremy Birmingham, my colleague, a ton of stuff to write about in recruiting. And, you know, uh, I talked to Trey Sermon on Sunday and, and got to, uh, some of the break some of that news uh, about the running back transferring from Oklahoma. So they've stayed busy, and then they've had a couple. You know, Ryan Day had a press conference on Wednesday, or a teleconference, I should say, that was great to get some updates about what they're doing. And Gene Smith had had one you know, fairly early on in reaction to how Ohio State was handling uh, the coronavirus at that point. So they've, they've done a pretty good job so far, I'd say, of, of keeping us busy. And I've tried to look at it where uh, basically – we have to deal with an off season every single year, and this one is about a month longer um, than we had planned. And so that's that's maybe sort of an optimistic viewpoint because we certainly know the severity of everything going on. But just trying to provide our content as normally as possible uh, to give people a distraction if they're working at home or you know wanting to think about the college football season and what might happen in, in August and September. Uh, hopefully we're doing a good job with that. We're going to keep trying our best, like everybody is, to, to make it feel as normal as possible when we know that it isn't. Yeah, it, this is just such a strange time for sports. I mean, I'm taking the real-life element out of it a little bit and just talking from a sports perspective here. But with the real-life right. element involved to a degree, there are so many reasons and, ex- and excuses as to why we can sit here and say, oh, well, there's been not a whole lot of activity in the recruiting trail or why there haven't been a whole lot of commits. What is it exactly? What is it about what Ryan Day and his staff are doing that they're able to overcome the obstacles in their way because we're you're hearing other programs talk about the difficulties that they're going through right now 
now. And what I love and respect about Ryan Day is, and this is something we should all look up to in our everyday jobs and lives that we're going through, it doesn't matter what's going on. we got to keep overcoming this stuff and got to keep putting our best foot forward. Ryan Day is a prime example of that and what his staff's been able to do, as we touched on already. Yeah, I think that, you know, he the way he always approaches this, whether whether it's the coronavirus or, you know, just, uh, you know, getting from one week to the next is that, you know, he he kind of borrowed a little bit of the win the day and, and tweaked it to him for himself to win the moment from his previous time with Chip Kelly. But I think that that, that mindset really uh, rubbed off on him. It was probably something that he already had embraced in his own life, which is why it fits so well. But he, he he's not focused on anything other than, what can be controlled right in that moment. And I know that that's a cliche, but it's also, you know, it became one for a reason. It's true. He, he was asked about, you know, the possibility of the season being delayed or, you know, postponed, canceled, whatever. And he said, well, I mean, it's far too early for anybody to really know the answer to that, and it doesn't do him any good to spend any time worrying about it because the thing that they can do right now is they can give workouts to the players by the phone. They can work out on, you know, they can share film. Uh, and they can FaceTime recruits and talk to them. Like that part you mentioned before I jumped on here, the NFL free agency, it's the same with recruiting. These these recruits still need to plan their future. Their their clock is ticking uh, in a way that's even a little more urgent than anybody else because um, you know they, they still have to be able to ready, be ready, prepared uh, when the early signing period arrives or next February they want to know that they've got a place to go and then you add up – why is it working for Ryan Day as compared to some other programs, especially in the Big Ten? Well, they've got a, a year's worth of uh, Ryan Day resume or whatever added to him as a head coach. They, Tony Alford has been building relationships with these running backs for a long time. They they had done the work, and so that when they got to this point, uh, it wasn't they had they didn't have to scramble or panic or do anything different. They already knew who their priority recruits were. They already had relationships and. Some of those guys just wanted to take visits to, uh, you know, we were down, Berman and I were down in North Carolina talking to Evan Fire, and he wanted to commit on his visit. Like, he already knew that that's what he was going to do. So a lot of these guys you talk about for uh, Ohio State here, they just like being in Columbus, and they were probably going to, you know, make some announcement tied to that once they got here. So they had already they already knew where they were going to go. Ohio State had already done so much work. They were already so far ahead on the 2021 class that, you know, these guys really, it was kind of a formality, and it's it certainly hurt them that they didn't get to do what they wanted, but uh, in the end, it's both parties are still getting through it the way that, um, the best way that they can. Austin, what about for you guys right now? Like, what what is, uh, how, we know Ohio State's always really good with the media, but what are some of the adjustments that they've made as far as, you know, how available are the coaches, and how have they worked with you guys? Because I think that's the other thing, too. You guys have a job to do as well. They don't have to bend over backwards to appease you guys, but they do. And Ryan Day, you know, who was thanking the media just a few days ago earlier in the week, I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool. Just what are some of the things that they're doing differently to appease you guys and to make your jobs easier as well? Yeah, yeah. right now I would say uh, it's a little yeah, – it feels like we've been doing this for three months on lockdown <laughs> and it's been two weeks, you know. So uh, just having, you know, a lot – we go through most summers covering Ohio State and don't ever have – you know, teleconference set up with a coach or a press conferences, like, you know, during the long, you know, during the Urban Meyer era, you know, that stuff didn't exist. And, and so this thing was, you know, just having Coach Day available during a long period where there's not football being played is a little bit rare in a situation, I think, where they acknowledge the value and letting the coach weigh in. Uh, I think that that will probably be the, 
be more of that. Uh, you know, Jerry Amick, the sports information director for Ohio State, likes to, when football is out, you know, have a day when all the assistants are available and we can talk and, and really pick their brains for a while when there's not the pressure of a game. And, and that's like just right now, that's not going to be possible for them. So I think we might be, you know, staggering it out and getting more conference calls with those assistants uh, and, and taking it up that way. But this, it's still early for them. Like they don't, they don't really know. Um, they don't want to expose the coaches or bring them out of their homes. Like all of us are under the same stay at home order that, you know, you are over there in Dayton that I am here. So that's, uh, it, it's all, it's all new for all of us. Uh, and they're, they're trying the best that they can. And, uh, I think one thing, you know, for me personally, I'm starting to, you know, get more text messages and, and hear from them directly, uh, just not for publication, just because they've, they're sitting at home and they want to talk about football and they want an outlet. You, you know, this is their livelihood and they're, they're, this is a new reality for them. They're never at home 24 hours a day. Um, except for maybe two weeks in June or July. This is, you know, they itch to do football, you know, those football guy hours. And, uh, you know, not that anyone should feel bad for them because we're all in that same boat, but that's for their lifestyle. That's what they're used to. That's what they're trying to, to fill that void, and it's really hard for them to do that. Austin Ward, Letterman Row with us here on the Justin Kinner Show, talking all things Ohio State football at the moment. Uh, you'd mentioned it a little bit ago, Trey Sermon. That was one of the bigger, uh, you know, bigger pieces of news for the Buckeyes the last uh, couple weeks. That is big time, especially when he entered his name into the transfer portal. We knew that he was going to be heading out, or not transfer portal, but at least be transferred out. We knew that he was going to be uh, a game changer if they were able to land him. With that being said, right. he's a game changer because of the uncertainty at the running back position for Ohio State. But what if Crowley is 100%? What if Teague does get you know fairly healthy or is 100% by the time the season starts, what happens then? Crowley, I don't think I'm as worried about, but like, what do you? What happens with Teague or that next man up mentality? Because you're bringing Sermon over, and it reminds me of Justin Fields last year. You're not bringing him over to compete for the job, but you basically just bumped out one of your guys if they're healthy. Yeah, I think it would be. Uh, it's hard for me at this point to imagine that Master Teague is going to get back that bad uh, to to 100%, and that. You know, I I, it's, I hate to, to speculate that far down the road with injuries because I would have said in March of 2018 that Tough Borland was not going to come back, uh, and he was never 100% that season. We all know that how that worked out, but Justin Hilliard a year ago, so he also had an Achilles injury in spring, and I would have said, that's it, there's no way he's coming back, and he did. So, you know, some of these guys, especially, I mean, Master Teague uh, is a genetic freak. Um, he, maybe Maybe six months is all it takes for him, and he gets right back out there uh, in August and September and doesn't miss a beat. If that scenario does happen, I, I still think that what Trey Sermon gives as an all-around back, uh, and you know, he's also coming off of an injury himself. He had an LCL injury at Oklahoma that ended his season last year, and he's uh, still a month away from being full go. He told me on Sunday, uh, but that's ahead of his schedule. Um, you know, I just I think I, I watch Trey Sermon and, and the the upside he has, I think that he would have the best sort of all-around fit for Ohio State offensively and what they want to do. Uh, I, I I like Teague and the one-cut mentality. I think the guy that I'm highest on on the roster currently until Trey Sermon arrives is Marcus Crowley. As you mentioned, he's still getting into the summer with his ACL. He got injured in the Maryland game. He's really He was really an underrated recruit, and I thought everything I saw from him on the field last fall was really encouraging and has, and he's got a bright future but you know I think 
all of them would like to be in a position. Trey Sermon wanted more carries. He doesn't have to get as many as J.K. Dobbins did. I think there, there is some element to this Ohio State offense where they would like to be able to get back and use multiple backs uh, and not just rely solely on one. If you have a J.K. Dobbins, you certainly you should do that. But I think they like the ability to rotate and find matchups. And you know now they're back in a situation where they might be able to do that again because it was looking pretty thin there, and that was going to be a, a bleak uh, spring ball with one healthy scholarship running back in Steel Chambers. But now, if nothing else, you've bolstered the depth. But I think Trey Sermon, a uh, healthy Trey Sermon, has an upside that is uh, could be a real game changer. Austin, this question will probably keep coming, especially once we get closer to the season and once the season starts. Uh, but you're, you're obviously losing Chase Young, Jeff Akuda out. I mean, the local kid mm-hmm. here, Landers out. I mean, you're losing a lot of dev- – I mean, the offense is just stacked. I mean, between the offensive line, the quarterback, <laughs> all the receivers, even now at running yeah. back, pretty, they're in good shape. But on the defensive side, you're losing a lot of big names. How's the defense stacking up right now? What are some names that people should be familiar with uh, just kind of throughout the offseason uh, as far as talk is concerned? Yeah, I don't. I don't expect much of a drop off, which is a crazy thing to say when you lose Chase Young. Chase Young, who needs him? I mean. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, and that's sort of been that's the crazy sort of theme that's developed with Larry Johnson's unit. There's that. No kidding. Well, you know, Joey Bosa leaves, and and then the next spring, Nick Bosa, you know, Nick Bosa, Sam Hubbard, you know, Tyquan Lewis, Jalen Holmes. They're like, well, we're going to be better than that unit was, and you're like, okay, and then they were, and then they lose. You know, Nick Bosa goes down, and and uh, Chase Young has double-digit sacks, and uh, you think, well, they're going to be—they're going to have a chance to be better when they don't have Nick Bosa, and they were. It's like somehow they keep raising the bar every single year, and you think that it's going to stop, and it never seems to slow down. I, you know, Zach Harrison—we saw what he could do as a true freshman. That was ahead of schedule in my mind for what what he could become. He's going to be uh, a terror, I think, for the next two years, and it has a chance to really take that baton and be one of those. One of those Bosa's, one of those Chase Young's, one of those Taekwon Lewis type impact players. And I think, you know, you look at defensive end, it's going to be fine without Chase Young. It's crazy. You know, Jonathan Cooper returning is a big part of that. The Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, we saw Javante John Baptiste come along, Tyler Friday. They've got more than enough guys to keep rotating and keep dominating up front. And that helps everywhere else. And then, you know, a couple guys that flashed early, you know, just those three days of spring, Seven Banks looked like he had completely changed uh, his body and was ready to be a starting cornerback for Kerry Combs and, and in the back of that defense. Um, you know, Cameron Brown was hurt. He's another guy that I've talked to you about before that I think has a bright future at corner. Obviously, you have Sean Wade. Um, you know, Sean was going to be a little bit Im- limited in spring. Some some of these guys, you know, look at Sean Wade or Josh Proctor. This could be a good thing for them if, if he comes back and you have summer mini camps, uh, which is one possibility that's been talked about. Then maybe not having spring works in Ohio State's favor. I don't mean to get too far ahead down the road on that, but you know, there's there's a bunch of young defensive backs that that's been the position everyone's talked about. I think that they're going to be uh, just fine with a chance to be really good there, even without Damon Arnett and Jeff Fakuda and Southern Banks. I think is a big part of the reason why. 
All right, with the draft coming up, we know Chase Young, uh, Kuda, they're, they're both going. A chance of a potential third Buckeye to be taken in that first round. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, maybe. I, I've seen a few yeah. mock drafts that might have him to the, to the Chiefs, which would be amazing if you ask me. What are you uh, envisioning? <laughs> what are some other bubble Buckeyes that could potentially be taken in the first round? I think people are starting. You know, I, t- I, I touched on Arnett and the possibility there. Uh, there have been a few mock drafts that have included him in the first round. Nice. He made a phenomenal decision. Uh, to come back for one more year when he wanted to leave uh, after that 2018 season, he had, he was he was not just thinking about leaving. He was out the door and and about to start training in Dallas uh, before Jeff Halfley had a conversation with him and he and he talked to some family about the ups and downs that he'd gone through at Ohio State and decided to come back for one more year. He was he was excellent last year despite having that broken wrist uh, that really was you know I mean he played every single game with a cast on not easy. Uh, and I saw a stat today that, that he had the best passer rating or the lowest passer rating against him in one-on-one coverage last year, and he was thrown on a lot. Uh, he's a guy that I've talked about a lot that I thought some of the earlier criticism of him and, and some of the things that people said when he chose to come back uh, were really unfair, and, and thank goodness he proved me right in that regard. I, I think he's going to keep proving uh, himself right, and betting on himself is going to pay off in a big way when the draft rolls around. Um, Lee Harrison's another guy just to sneak him in there that was really impressing. We went to the combine, feels like seven years ago. I hate to keep borrowing that, that you know, <laughs> but <laughs> everything it, does it, right it, now, man. <laughs> the time has been different, but Lee Harrison was building a lot of momentum there. And I think when it, if he got to have a pro day as well to to meet with people and work out and do all that stuff in the Woody, the way I mean, he's a physical freak, he would have tested off the charts again and and doing some position drills. I think he can do a lot of different things at the next level. If you wanted to move him in and have a 3-4 you know, outside linebacker, a rush guy, whatever, Lee Harrison can do a lot of things. And I think there's some there's some interest in him building as well. All right, Austin Ward, Letterman Row, awesome enough to join us here on a Friday on the Justin Kinner Show. Austin, I'll send you out with this. I'm confident that we will see college football in the fall. That's like seven years from now, to steal your term. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I'm, fa- I'm, pretty, I'm going to remain confident, but with maybe a stipulation of potentially no fans. Can you imagine Ohio State at Oregon, you covering a game, watching a game of that magnitude, no fans? Maybe Ohio State-Michigan. Can you imagine those games? I'm just glad that there will be games. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But could, yeah. How much... There's no fans. Would that take out of everything, in your opinion, if it comes to that? Well, I, I think that you know, in college football in particular, that the pageantry is is what makes it. Um, you know, we all love football, but you know, that's you don't have you don't have the celebration and, and the community part of it. You know, the tailgates, the you know, script Ohio and all that stuff. I mean, it's not the same. I don't think people would watch. I, I don't know because it's, it's impossible for us to really envision a life that way. But like college football in a studio with no, you know, piped-in sound or whatever. I, I I don't know <laughs> if it would be the same. Right now we'd take anything, right? And th- and that would be a, a situation that we'd sign up for in a hurry as long as we could get football back. But I tend to think that empty stadiums are are, are not a likely outcome, and I'll tell you why. And that's just look at the, the guidelines that were handed out for this disease. Unless if it's completely under control. You play football and you bring fans back. I know none of us can predict it, but there's so many millions uh, on the line. You take some if you're Ohio State or any college football program to get it back and fulfill the broadcast deals. But you look at a, a college football roster, you have 85 scholarship players on each team. They're going to be coming from different parts of the country. 
Then you have the support staff. Like even if you take the fans out of it for football, you're still dealing with several hundred people interacting, you know, sweating on each other. They're hitting and tackling the sport as a, as a contact sport. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in close proximity. That's, you know, how we understand it right now is how the disease is spread. I don't think that you, you know, if you have golf or you have, you know, tennis and individual sports where you can be separated out, maybe we get those back first with no fans and, and ease back in. But football, I, I sort of think that we're going to be in a position where you either ha- you either have it or you don't. And I, I other people, you know, want to, you know, make their predictions and, and do that. That's fine. I think it's way too early for any of us to know. But my personal feeling is that you've, with this sport, you have have to get to the point where the fans can be there and watch, or you can't really play it at all, just because of how many people are are going to be out there participating in it. Yeah, think about, and I know you got to go. I'm sorry, it's been 18 minutes now, but like, the, think about the financial <laughs> ramifications, not oh, just gosh. for football, and th- not not just for one school, not one big program like Ohio State, but across the board. Bobby Carpenter, I was listening to him this morning. I believe it was either on Get Up or, or Golik and Wingo, and yep. he brought up a ton of great points about how this is it's bigger than just you know, oh, we might not have a season. Like, it can have ramifications that go beyond just football and more than just this year. I mean, basketball and the spring sports, everything else, a lot of that is, you know, kept up, kept afloat by the financials from, from football. This could be huge uh, depending what happens the rest of the year. So. Yeah, I mean, and it funds, you know, this, this is not Gene Smith. This was another athletic director that I've talked to in the past. Like, basketball and the number, you know, the NCAA tournament revenue and all that, like, that. Basketball funds itself, okay, and then college football funds everything else. Everything, yeah. Uh, so that's that's you have to think about that. Like, it, whether you, I'm not, I'm not saying this is going to happen specifically to Ohio State, but certainly at other schools, you'd be looking at the potential that you have to, you know, slash staffs, potentially get rid of sports. I mean, football is, you know, for the sports that are just a game crowd. Let me tell you what. See what happens to major universities if they don't have football driving in applicants and uh, you know bringing in boosters to your school. See what happens not just to athletic departments but your entire university if you don't have college football. This is an important driver of the university economy, and you you have to you have yeah. to have it, or else <laughs> you're talking about a really bad outcome. And, and look, we can't control the disease. Maybe that's something that does happen, but there will be catastrophic outcomes if college football is not played. All right, well, let's just hope that's not the case. And, Austin, hey, thank you so much, man. Uh, I know it's a Friday heading into the weekend. Weird times, but a great time hanging out with you here for the last 20 minutes. Austin Ward from Letterman Row. Austin, thanks so much, man. Have a great weekend, and you and your family stay safe. You got it, buddy. You too. All right, we'll have that interview up at wingam.com uh, here momentarily. Good stuff from Austin Ward. I appreciate him taking time and hanging out with us for a bit. A lot. I mean, we didn't even. There's so many other things ahead of my notes I wanted to get into. Uh, we'll just have to have him on again here in the future. We'll talk with Jeremy Birmingham, uh, who covers all things recruiting for Letterman Road next week. Uh, reach out and get him on next week as well. So excited for that. We have Chris Holtman coming on, um, and we're working out a time to get Ryan Day on as well. So that. You know, we're trying to iron out those times for next week. I'm looking forward to that. Um, So there you go. All right. We'll step away for a few moments. On the other side, we'll head into Hour 3. We'll talk a little Bengals. Uh, The Bengals right now are rumored to be in on a big potential trade. With that being said, if this happens, this is exactly what you want to see if you are a Bengals fan. They are going all in on trying to build around Joe Burrow. And we'll talk about that more on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. Here on ESPN Dayton.
Austin Ward is up at wingam.com. Austin Ward from Letterman Row. We talked all things Ohio State Buckeyes. Off-season news and notes with everything going on with the coronavirus COVID-19 outbreak. There's so many excuses as to why the Buckeyes recruiting should have probably taken not a hit, but maybe a timeout uh, like most programs are doing right now. And every time you look up, every time you check your phone, there's a notification about breaking news. Ohio State lands another one, another one, another one, another one. I mean, another one. I mean, like, seriously, it's unreal what Ryan Day's staff, what Ryan Day and his staff have been able to do. Excited to talk with uh, with him about that next week. We're looking forward to having Ryan Day on the show. So that's coming up next week. We'll talk about what it's been like recruiting uh, and changing things up a little bit and how they've been able to adapt during these uncertain times. Ohio State opens up the season on September 5th at the shoe, hopefully, against Bowling Green. Week 2 at Oregon. Some of the big Big Ten matchups that they have, they have their re, uh, they'll, they'll have a rematch with Iowa. The last time they faced Iowa, of course, we know what happened. The huge loss at Iowa. This time they have Iowa at the shoe this year, at Michigan State, at Penn State. Now keep in mind, I'm not really sure how good Iowa is going to be next year, but you're looking at a stretch where you have Iowa, Michigan State, Penn State. I'm not looking at Iowa as a huge threat, but again, you never know. Look what happened last time. But at Michigan State. At Penn State, Nebraska right after that. Now, you got to think, Nebraska, that's going to be year three of Frost, but that's year three of Scott Frost, correct, or year two? Uh, year three. Year three. Because he came the same year as the after Adrian Martinez right. did. Yep. So that's going to be year three for Scott Frost, and I think that this is a year where Nebraska needs to be what they are expected to be when they brought Frost over after all the success that he had at UCF. There's going to be a high. There's going to be a lot of expectations for Frost at Nebraska, and I'm just looking at that stretch. It's such a tough stretch for Ohio State because again, you're Iowa. Yes, okay, that's a that's a tweener game, but at Michigan State, at Penn State. At home versus Nebraska, that three-week stretch right there, they're definitely going to be challenged. Keep in mind, you also have Oregon in Week 2 on the road at Oregon. I know they're going to be without Justin Herbert, but again, it'll be interesting to see how that team rebounds moving forward. Of course, they got Michigan on the schedule, as usual. No surprise there. Uh, but yeah, Ohio State... Just interesting looking at the schedule for next year, just kind of getting that feel and vibe. But after that, that three-game stretch of Michigan State, Penn State on the road, Nebraska, then you're going to have Indiana at Maryland, at Illinois, and then Michigan. So you're going to have a much easier path into the Michigan game next year than what they did last year where you had Penn State the week before and, and everything. So it was a much yeah. tougher lead-in. And we all know Penn State's going to be contenders in the Big Ten this year, but you just rattled off um, three, and I'd even maybe consider four like of those second-tier kind of Big Ten teams with Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan State, and maybe even you could make the argument for Maryland at this point having uh, one of the best running backs in college football in Anthony McFarland. In your, just in your view, I'm curious where you kind of, in, where you kind of view those teams in terms of the toughest matchups for Ohio State. What? Because, do you like view Iowa as a tougher game than Nebraska or Michigan State, or is it the brand of Michigan State that still makes them the toughest game? Or Nebraska has the five-star quarterback. Michigan State at Michigan State is what worries me about them. Now that Michigan State, they're in. This is Michigan State's in one of their worst stretches. It's the worst program they've had in a while. Um, and there's a re, you know we could talk about you know the departure 
of D'Antonio over the offseason. Of course, there was a lot more that went into that. There's a lot of off-the-field issues that kind of were leading into Now, keep in mind, I think that the, the, la- the struggles in recruiting and the struggles on the field the last couple of years had stemmed from the pressures and distractions of what has been going on off the field. Not all of that on D'Antonio. A lot of that is issues with the athletics program in general, not just football. Uh, but you can't make too much of an excuse when you look at the job that Tom Izzo has been able to do over you know, on the basketball side of things. Uh, but no, Iowa, look, and, and Iowa's just good for Iowa. Like, they're not, they're not anything to be worried about. This has been my thing about Ohio State for a while now. They have played their way out of the Big Ten. Like, we talk every year, oh, the Big Ten, that's the best conference in football. They're the deepest conference in football, I'll give you that. But I will, I'm still, I will die on this hill. The Big Ten is not better than the SEC as far as title contenders is concerned. And to me, and everyone has their own way that they go about you, you know, defining what is the best conference in college football. To me, the best conference in college football is always which conference has the most title contenders. And outside of Ohio State, the Big Ten doesn't have any. You know, Penn State on their best year is still a two to three loss team, which is unacceptable. Michigan on their best year is still a, you know, two loss team on their best year. That's a problem. You know, Michigan State on their best year as of late has been four to five losses. Like, that's not a good thing. Indiana, we're, I mean, folks, we were praising and drooling over Indiana last year because they made a bowl game and they lost, like, what was their record? Like, they lost, like, seven, eight games. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I think they finished five and seven. Five and seven. Now they had over 500 because they got a bowl game. You're I thought right. they got a bowl Maybe game. Maybe it was six and seven. Maybe six they went and six seven, and six and then lost seven, the bowl yeah, game. Yeah, something along those lines. So, I mean, folks you got to raise your standards a little bit. You're praising Indiana like, oh, that's a good team. That, look at what, I mean, Indiana had their best year in, in forever. What, what the hell does that mean? So, no, I, I do, I'm not a big fan of the Big Ten in regards to thinking that it is the best in college football. It's the deepest. You have, I think there's more collectively, there are more solid good teams from top to bottom than other conferences. But as far as... Title contenders, there's only one title contender in the Big Ten, you're in and you're out, and that's Ohio State, not Michigan. Michigan at times is able to hide behind some good quality wins within an, within a decent conference in the Big Ten, but then they get exposed when they face an elite team. College football has now been separated. It is now your elite teams and then your conferences, to where you ha- used to have your elite teams within your conferences. Now the elite teams are so elite that their conferences, we literally sit here every year and say, well, we're, I mean, people, you try to dissect the SEC last year and try to convince people that it wasn't a good league. It wasn't a good conference. Alabama, if Tua doesn't go down, we're having a completely different conversation at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the season about college football playoff structures. Or not structures, but about how it, how it would have looked. If if Tua never goes down and Alabama wins, you know, out, we're talking about Alabama and LSU in the college football playoff. And you're going to, I mean, Georgia, you saw them, they finished fifth this year. They would have been right there in the conversation as well. So it, it is interesting to me how all of this pans out. But no, to me, the Big Ten still, it's the deepest conference, but it's not the best. I'm still rolling with the SEC. As long as you have multiple title contenders, or if you, as long as the Big Ten only has one title contender, you're not going to convince me that they're the best conference in college football. I don't care how many top 25 teams there are. I think that top 25 sometimes we fall in love with that a little bit too much at times, especially when you look at who's top 25. I mean, oh, Ohio State, they beat top 25 Michigan State last year. They were 24, and they ended up falling out of the top 25, and they ended up being horrible. And then you try to convince me that Michigan State was still a great quality football team last year, a good quality win, but yet you ignored LSU's win over Texas and tried 
downgrading that. You can't have it both ways. But I'm just excited to be talking a little college football today. Excited to hang out with Austin Ward for a little bit. I appreciate him calling in. Check out that interview. A lot of good stuff on there. Talk about the potential of what a college football season could look like with no fans. We talked about the addition of Trey Sermon, uh, the transfer from Oklahoma, and what that does to the depth at running back. I know that there's a lot of question marks question marks as far as running back is concerned for Ohio State. Maybe less now with Trey Sermon transferring over. But I will say, we don't know this. I mean, we kind of we know, but we don't know the severity of Teague's injury. You heard Austin Ward in the last segment say that he's not convinced that he's going to be 100% healthy, although he is a beast, and it would not surprise him if there's some chance that he is. But I, I threw out this scenario. Look, Crowley got hurt last year, I believe he said in the Maryland game, I believe. Uh, it was in the fall, so... Look, he got severely hurt last year. Crowley, there's a chance he could be 100%. But what if Crowley, what if Teague are 100% heading in with Sermon? And it's not a big what if because I don't think it's a matter. I mean, I think Sermon has his spot. It's going to be a battle for the backup, although Teague's most likely going to get that if he's healthy. Um, you know, I just I don't think that the Buckeyes are as bare at that position as what we were saying about them. We were saying the same thing. Although we were confident in Weber's ability to replace Zeke or at least be able to fill the void of no Zeke after Zeke left, Weber came in and was, I mean, a thousand yard back. And then Weber gets, you know, he's not 100%, and then Dobbins comes in, and then Dobbins and him split carries, and then Dobbins is a thousand yard back as a freshman, and then Dobbins ultimately ends up being the featured back with Weber as a supporting back, and then Dobbins takes over this year. Like, there's never a question mark at running back. Uh, Keith Byers talked about this on his show earlier in the week. He said the one thing about Ohio State, when you look at the running back position, there is never a lull in star power at that position or production. There might be gaps of star power. Like I mean, sometimes you just get your grunt guys. Like I think I don't think Weber was ever a star, but I thought Weber was a good, solid thousand-yard back. He did his job. He came in. He replaced Zeke. He was able to still produce. Uh, he was still able to be, you know, a big-time contributor whenever Dobbins was there. I know they had that rough offensive year in that last year. Urban was here, but like every year, that the running back position produces. So why should I doubt that now? I don't think we're as confident in the running back room as in years past. But there has been no signs of doubting what the Buckeyes have been able to do to provide you with running backs throughout the decades. So I, I, I think Ohio State's fine. I mean, Trey Sermon definitely solidifies it. But at the same time, I wasn't as concerned as most people were as far as that concerned, especially when you look at the you know the explosiveness of that offense. That entire offensive line is coming back. All right, you have elite wide receiver talent. This might be, and again, I'm, I'm hesitant to say the one of the best wide receiving crews ever at Ohio State because for one, you got to see him out on the field first, um, but they're also fairly young. Uh, you know, Julian Fleming coming in. I got to see what he's capable of doing. You know, we got to see what all these guys can do as a whole. They're going to be freshmen to start, but by the end of the season, you're always considered a sophomore. So we'll see what these kids are able to do uh, with as freshmen, sophomores. Olave, I love watching him play. He's like He's just a big game player. His best games always seem to come in the biggest games of the season. That's always when you can count on Olave the most. But all right, that wraps it up. As least talking college or college football, we didn't even get to any of the uh, the Seth Towns transfer for Chris Holtman and the Buckeyes. We'll talk about that with Chris Holtman next week. Um, but yeah, I wanted to get into that with Austin Ward. We'll touch on that next week as well. Um, but interesting get for them as far as that's concerned. All right, folks, we'll step away for a few moments. I've been wanting to get into this Bengals conversation. I just got distracted with the football talk with uh, Austin Ward. Let's talk about the Bengals, Trent Williams, and the Washington Redskins. There was a stretch last year where we thought the Browns were the favorite to acquire Trent Williams at the deadline. In fact, many people thought that 
the Browns, you were going to figure out very quickly if the Browns believed that they were within striking distance of being a playoff team last year, I think they would have pulled the trigger on getting Trent Williams. Uh, I think that although statistically and, and standings-wise, the Browns were within striking distance of getting a wild card or a playoff spot, you could tell that internally the front office did not believe in their chances because of all the behind-the-scenes stuff going on. I think that they knew that Freddie Kitchens had lost control of that team and that the team really wasn't responding to him. So you can tell when organizations, when organizations feel good about where they're at, you see what you're witnessing now. I almost get the vibe. I mean, not get, almost get the vibe. I mean, I think this is the case. I don't think the Bengals truly bought into their product the last four or five years. In fact, I'm not 100% sure that they bought into it even before that. They like to extend the guys that they had on their roster, but they were never aggressive in free agency. Now, all of a sudden, the Bengals find themselves where they find themselves in, in striking distance. They feel like they can make an impact. Now they're spending all this money. Trent Williams now becomes a reasonable piece to go out and get. But just how much are the Bengals willing to give up to get him and how much are they willing to pay him, that's going to be the big key. Do you want to see the Bengals go all out to get Trent Williams? I, I think they need to. I've said this before. I've been beyond impressed with their ability to go out and fine-tune that defense. I think that that defense is going to be one of the biggest difference makers for them in 2020. But if you complement that defense with an offensive line, with the already proven offensive weapons that you have, with Mixon, with Boyd, with a healthy green, I think they're in good shape. But you got to give Joe Burrow an offensive line. And even an average rookie year for Joe Burrow with a good offensive line and that defense, the Bengals, could surprise some people coming up this year. Lots of rumors out there. Trent Williams, again, the Redskins wanting a second-round pick for him. Should the Bengals give up a second-round pick to get him? Do you even want to see the Bengals go after him? We'll discuss next. The Justin Kidder Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. back. Justin Kenner Show live here on a Friday. We're heading to the final stretch of the show here before heading into the weekend. Twitter's at 1410Kenner, K-I-N-N-E-R, getting all your reaction on social media. Uh, moving forward again on Twitter at 1410. Who want to win? This is what they do. If anything, you Bengals fans need to probably thank the national media for crapping all over you. I honestly, truly believe that Mike Brown as stubborn as he is, and there's going to be a lot of Bengals fans that disagree with this, I truly believe that the pressure has finally got to him. We've seen the pressure get to him on a few occasions the last couple of years. You Bengals fans were able to force his hand when it came to Marvin Lewis a few years ago, which brought in, you know, led to bringing in Zach Taylor. And I believe that the, the pressure of the national media and the perception of the franchise outside of its loyal fan base, what little fan base it is, Whatever, I mean, there there is a pocket of loyal Bengals fans that defend this team no matter what, which I'll still never understand why, whenever they weren't... Look, let me be clear here. The Bengals did not deserve to be given the benefit of the doubt up until this point. You can officially say now, you can, like, I will defend the Bengals moving forward when people say that this is an organization that doesn't want to win. For one, I don't think there's such thing as organizations that don't want to win. I just think that some are more competitive than others. I don't think that you buy a sports team or a sports franchise and not have interest in winning. I just think that some are willing to do and give up more to achieve winning than others, if that makes sense. I, I will never accuse Mike Brown of not wanting to win. I will just accuse Mike Brown of not always making the right decisions and having that 
that willpower to go and make something happen. But that changes moving forward. Like that narrative, you could put that to rest. Bengals fans, anytime you hear national media or any media come out and say, oh, well, that's an organization that I don't know if Joe Burrow should go there, they don't, they don't care about winning. Carson Palmer, his, his little antics, that, that's in the past now. He can't, he's going to have to find a new story to roll with if he wants to continue bashing his former team because he can no longer say that this is a team that doesn't want to win or doesn't want to make enough changes to, to allow winning to happen. So with that being said, I do believe that the national media is to thank for as off-base as they were at times, although I do think that they were right on par with their thought process on the Bengals. I believe everything that they said was significantly accurate. I, I don't think that the Bengals... I mean, look, I don't think it's a secret that the Bengals have been a laughingstock of the league, and it's not just about winning games uh, to get rid of that perception. I think they have been a laughingstock of the league. That put that be puts to rest. I think that we really got to see with the Bengals having the number one overall pick and having one of the best quarterbacks to come out of college football in quite some time. I do believe that we are at the point now where the Bengals were at the point where they got to really look in the mirror and see who they were. And if they couldn't see that well, everyone wanted to make sure that they could see who they were because they actually had to think about the the, the have the mindset that man Joe Burrow may not want to come play here. Can you imagine how devastating that would be for Mike Brown? If Joe Burrow did stick to that and say, hey, I don't want to be a Cincinnati Bengal, do you realize how devastating that could be for him and that franchise moving forward? As bad as things have been, they dodged a bullet there. Because you could say whatever you want, but if Joe Burrow would have pulled an Eli Manning, there would have been no one to blame out there except the Bengals. Because the narrative was not made up. You can't convince me that two and that a two and that a team that is picking number one overall and only won two games last year. You can't convince me that everyone's saying that they're bad is wrong. That's not true. They were bad though, but then things change. That was my mindset with the Browns. Oh, they, they were 0 16. Yeah, that roster was 0 16. They got a whole new roster moving forward. Last year the Bengals were 2 and 14. This year, completely different roster. It's a lot of the same base guys, but those are the meat and potatoes of your roster. They just didn't complement the base of the roster. That was my biggest frustration the last couple of years. How are you going to extend Dunlap and Atkins, but yet give them crap in the, as far as linebackers and secondary is concerned? What's the point of beefing up your defensive line two years ago if you weren't going to provide any kind of secondary help? That made no sense. And just like what's the point of going to get a quarterback if you're not going to bolster up that offensive line, that also makes no sense. So the fact that you are hearing rumors and reports out that the Bengals have picked up the phone, have reached out to the Washington Redskins about finding a way to get a deal done, that speaks volumes about the change in philosophy in that front office. I don't know if Mike Brown just woke up from that nap that he was pictured in last year. I don't know if he has kind of hand off, handed off some of the decision-making to his daughter or you know, is Duke Tobin getting more of a say. I don't know what's going on in that front office for the Bengals, but I applaud them and I respect this. I love what they're doing. I love that they picked up the phone and called the Redskins. And maybe they just picked up the phone and called the Redskins just for the the sake of buzz and just to get the talk out there uh, to change the perception. If they did that, as much as I would still laugh a little bit, I give them credit for having enough sense to even think about that as a business ploy. Hey, let's at least change the perception that we aren't trying to get offensive linemen. I give them credit even if that's all that they're trying to do. But Trent Williams is asking for a lot of money. He's 30-something years, I think 32 years old, right, 32 years old. He's a little bit on the older side. But you don't have to marry linemen for you're not marrying him for six or seven years. You can get a couple of good years out of a big offensive lineman like that. 
I mean, look, I don't want to hear that, oh, he's too old. Look at, uh, I mean, look at the offensive linemen that the Bengals have given up on that have gone on to have great careers after they've been too old to play for the Bengals. Like, that's been my biggest frustration. Now, the Bengals have also been in reports saying that if they're not able to land Trent Williams, that they have also been linked to offensive tackle Jason Peters. Jason Peters I'm a, also a big fan of. Keep in mind that the Browns and Bengals, that there is an overlap in the direction of both franchises. I think that the Browns and Bengals, really, if you hear that one team is going after this guy, you should also see the other team's name in those conversation pieces as well, right? Like, I feel like that's only fair. So, like, the fact that the Bengals are being an aggressive and putting their names out there for Trent Williams and maybe even trying to get a Jason Peters, if the fact that the Browns aren't even in that conversation, that's a joke as well. The Browns need those same pieces. Now, they at least got Conklin. I'll give him that. But then, you know, you have someone just tweeted into the show, and, I, you know, someone tweeted in asking my thoughts on, okay, if they're going to spend that money on Trent Williams, would I rather see them spend that money on a Jadavion Clowney to just make that defense elite and then to build the offensive line through the draft? I wouldn't. I mean, look, if Clowney's a Bengal, great. I just do not see that happening. But I also think that you cannot, if you're relying on the Bengals to build that line through the draft, that they're not going to have success doing that because they haven't had success doing that. I'm not going to buy into them trying to build the line through uh, through the draft. I think they have to strike gold here at some point. They have to either land a Trent Williams, even if it means overpaying to get him. You need to get somebody that's going to come in and make an immediate impact. And if you think it's Jonah Williams, i got bad news for you. Jonah Williams is just as much of a question mark as Michael Jordan and others. Jonah Williams might be the real deal, but you guys were also the same fans that were trying to convince me that Billy Price was the real deal. You were also the same fan base that tried to convince me that Michael Jordan was going to be the real deal. And so on and so on. So until I see Jonah Williams on the field, I don't know. We've seen Trent Williams on the field, and we know what kind of difference he can make on the line. Polly the Bengals fan, how are you? Go ahead, bring my optimism down. I already see the note. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, much respect to you. Um, I understand that you're constantly looking for the positivity and optimism in every aspects of life, and that's you. More power to you. Uh, I somehow cha- I've changed to where I don't do that anymore through life. But anyway... Uh, you're, I understand all of the moves, acquisitions, everything, signings, everything that the Bengals have made. Um, I think it's very uncharacteristic of them. But at the same time, I'm basing again. I'm not going to repeat myself because I know everybody's heard, knows what I, how I feel. But the fact is, it's been this way for so long. Every one step forward that this team seems to take, it's always two steps backwards. And a lot of times... Mike Brown presented a big smokescreen through the years. And people may not want to hear it. Some people may. But the fact is, he did present that smokescreen quite a bit to just give the fans just enough for the following year. And it promised, you know, a lot better uh, results. And it never happens. He just stays the course with mediocrity. Von Bell, DJ Reader, and those guys. I mean, what was your response when that? Okay, the, okay, 127 okay, okay. million, man. That's pretty, that's pretty good for them. That's why I say it's uncharacteristic. And here's yeah. another thing. Okay, now... Uh, the big perception of Mike Brown finally listening to the media and all this input and negative input like Tyler Boyd is, all right, making these acquisitions is one thing. Going out there this year and proving on the field, not for just one year, if, hopefully if we have a season, but <laughs> say, say five years in a row, five consecutive. It's got to be consecutive years. Prove it constantly, and then we will know. Because right now, again, Sure, you're making all these major moves. But see, Mike Brown has uh, spent money before Achilles Smith and uh, Dan Wilkinson, and they never panned out. 
I, I hope Joe Burrow does. I think he's a stud quarterback. But, again, he's going into our system. But the fact is, saying taking all these acquisitions is one thing. Going out there and proving it year after year is another. If I'm Andy Dalton right now, I'm also pretty frustrated because it's like, why now? Like, you know, you're putting all the all the weight of the blame on the quarterback, Andy Dalton, shipping him out of town, or for whatever reason, he's not shipped out of town yet. I still don't understand that. But why now? I mean, what? Why, why did it take going 2-14 and 14 and getting the number one overall pick and having a chance to get Joe Burrow? Like, if Andy Dalton, you were trying to convince us the last, you know, 10 years that he's your guy, then you never treated him like he was your guy because if this is how right. you treat your guy and Joe Burrow, why would you not have given Dalton that same treatment the last eight, nine years? That, that, to me, still is frustrating as far as that's well, concerned. Okay, yeah, that's part of it. That's part of Mike Brown just going to stay in the course of mediocrity. Exactly, that's just it. Why would it? Why wouldn't he? I don't, I don't know why. Um, I, I, don't, I just don't know. As far as him making, making these changes now, I mean, I hope, I hope, I don't wish, I don't wish his demise on it. I just hope he doesn't, you know, a lot of people say, oh, when's he going, when's he going, you know, he's up there in age. I, I want him to live as long as he can. But the fact is, um, maybe he's just getting to where, it is kind of getting to him in a little bit in his, in his old age. I don't know. Um, maybe he's finally waking up in his in later years, in his in the last few years. I don't know how to explain it. But, yeah, something is going on. But, again, you know, you would just, it's just have to wait and see. So it hasn't changed your, your – like you're not even no. a little excited. And that's fine. I, you know, just, that's just a night. You, you know, I've been around, I've been there, you know, when I started being a fan. And I, I'm telling you, my, my optimism and, and hope for the team was so sky high coming off the Super Bowl loss. We had all those teams, uh, all those good teams in the late 80s, early 90s, 1991. Um, I've just been damaged so bad by this man that I've allowed myself to be damaged. I just can't, uh, I can't see, I, I, it's my faith on that, my, my fandom will never quit, but my, my, uh, my hope and optimism has been thrown out the window with this man. This man has proven time and time again he does not, does not care. And that's just, you know, I don't know what else to say about it. Um, after all those, after all these years, you know, I'm just still seeing this as, okay, well, I'm not going to get excited. I'm just going to wait and see what happens. I still go into this season just watching as a, as a basic, you know, as a fan, not really expecting anything. And if it happens, I'm really happy for him. So I don't know. Yeah. Someone made a joke the other day that I think there must be some owners in the league that know that there won't be a season and that they're going to be able to write off all of the uh, big signings that they made this year, and that's why Mike Brown all of a sudden decided to go all in right now. It'll be, <laughs> that, could, that could be true, yeah. You know, he knows but, there's uh, an out at the end. So, <laughs> But, but uh, to, to ultimately answer your question, no, I'm just never going to believe in the in the Mike Brown team. Uh, Katie, uh, I, my personal opinion is, of course, it hasn't happened yet, but when she takes over, that it will probably stay the same. I don't know. I could be very wrong on that. But I'm just never going to have hope, faith, and optimism. I'm going to be a, still going to have to be a fan, but I'm just not going to have that faith. Uh, I'm not going to. I, I look at this and I'm, I'm thinking, well, what, okay, he's making, he's spending all this money. What's he going to screw up? What, what's going to happen? When is that proverbial rug going to be uh, pulled out from underneath this? It's called when the number one pick is announced, and it's not Joe Burrow, and that's why Andy Dalton's still on this roster. That's where well, it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can, I can, yeah, <laughs> well, uh, I can see that, but at the same time, I understand Mike Brown has always loved the quarterback position. That's why he never uh, took that deal from New Orleans years ago, and he stayed with the number one pick and got a Keeley. Uh, I think he's going to go with Joe Burrow myself. Um, I just. I just think he will. He just loves that quarterback position, doesn't really care about the offensive line. He does it now, and he didn't back in the early 90s when Dave Klingler was our quarterback, and he they snapped the ball, and he ended up on his back just like that. So, All right. Well, Polly, great hearing from you, man. Thank you. Stay safe and All have right. a great weekend. Thank you.
All right, four five seven nine four six four. No, and I threw that out there. Look, the Bengals—they're taking Joe Burrow, uh, but it still does not explain to me. And I don't want to hear, oh well, you know, Andy Dalton—they're going to keep him to mentor Joe Burrow. Uh, I mean, can you name? And I'm sure there's examples out there, and they're just not fresh front of mind awareness for for me right now. I can't think of a scenario where a guy has been a starter for nine years and was purposely brought back to be a mentor. Like, we've seen guys get benched in the middle of the year. All right, We saw Andy Dalton get benched last year. We saw Eli Manning two years ago get benched. Uh, Eli headed into last year, and there's my answer, damn it, right as I'm sitting here trying to talk myself through this scenario. But, like, Andy Dalton didn't, like, really, or Andy Dalton, uh, Eli Manning was brought in last year to technically be the mentor. Um you know, obviously, for Daniel Jones. But the difference is, is Andy Dalton and Eli Manning are not the same. Andy Dalton's not close to retirement. Eli Manning coming back another year, that made sense. Like, you were benching Eli because, you know, his career, he's run its course. He's old. He was, you know, about to retire. Andy Dalton's not about to retire. I can't think of a scenario where a quarterback that has good quality remaining years in his career left after being with the team for as long as he has with the Bengals. I still don't understand why people think that it makes sense that he would want to stay around and mentor Joe Burrow. That doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. And maybe Andy's dumb enough to do it. I don't know, but I just I don't see. Last year, Andy Dalton came out and said straight up that he did not want to. You know, he didn't want to be the backup. He, if he would have known that they were going to bench him last season, that him and his agent would have been able to explore a trade, right? So why are the center people ignoring that? Why would that philosophy change? I don't think it has, and I don't think it will. We'll be back in a moment to close out the show. More of the Justin Kinner Show live here on 1410 ESPN Radio when we come back. Mike, what are you doing? I'm getting ready for Drive One Car and Truck Spring Sale. That sounds great, but why are you revving your car up like that? Well, they say if you ain't first, you're last. And I want to get those deals before they're gone. Drive One has two locations in Springfield. One lot with pickup trucks and large SUVs, and the other with cars and crossovers. Check them out on Facebook and see all the great things people say. They service and back their cars with a limited powertrain warranty for six months. They do things the right way. And online at Drive One Car and Truck. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff. But still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff in Inside your stuff, even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So Justin Kinner Show, final few moments of the week here, at least here on the show. Starting next week, we'll be doing. I'll be doing the show uh, from my house, so the show will have a little bit of a different sound. That starts Monday, just for everyone's awareness there. 
Uh, but that doesn't really change anything. We're still able to take calls. We're still able to uh, you know, have guests and interviews and stuff. Big week of interviews next week. Chris Holtman and Ryan Day. Uh, Buckeye football and basketball coach is excited for that. I always appreciate their SIDO is helping making sure that we get any interviews that we need over here. So looking forward to that coming up next week. It's a lot to get into. But what a week this has been and uh, the you know what's ahead in the coming weeks is still up in the air. Uh, again, no live sports. But yet, at this point, it still hasn't really felt like there's been no live sports. Other than yesterday with the no opening day, that was definitely an impact. We should be talking about the Sweet 16. Uh, you know, We should already be talking about those matchups. I get it. Uh, but, man, there hasn't been a... a Unless these three stipulations are met and added right there, okay? So the, the according to ESPN's Jeff Passan, the players in the league have agreed that the 20, 2020 MLB season will not begin until there are no ban on mass gatherings that limit the ability to play in front of fans, that there are no travel restrictions, and that medical experts have determined that games have determined that games will not pose a risk to health of teams and fans. Just three things, right? Those seem like three simple little things. But as I said in hour number one, those are not three simple little things. Um, the last one on there, I think, is, is very important. That the 2020 Major League Baseball season hangs on the balance of medical experts determining that the games will not pose a risk to health of teams and fans. Folks, I don't think there's a... If that's the case, you might as well just start mentally preparing for 2021. Like, I, I don't get how any medical expert out there, and I'm definitely not one myself, but common sense tells you that if there is no vaccine to help fight this, that there's always going to be a risk. As long as there is no, I mean, even with the vaccine, this risk will still exist. It's just you have something to be able to kind of combat it a bit. But right now, you have nothing to combat it. There is nothing to stop it, even if we slow it down. Even if we, you know what I mean? Like, even if we get, you know, if we slow down the spread of the virus, that is still not safe enough to probably play. Like, that's the concerning part that I have. Not to be negative here, but let, let's be realistic. The, even if they slow it down, it is not safe enough for 20,000 to 40,000 to 50,000 fans together to watch a baseball game. It is not safe for 20,000 fans to show up to watch, uh, you know, a college or, or to watch an NBA game. You know, we talk about 100 plus thousand at the shoe. Or under 100, but like, you know, you talk about almost 90,000 people, 100,000 people to watch a Buckeye football game. Folks, that ain't happening. If everything is going to be dependent on the medical experts determining that games will not pose a risk to health of the teams and the fans, that'll never happen. Of course, there's going to be a risk to the health of the fans and the players. And that's my concern as far as that's concerned. And I'm going to rant one more time on this just because I feel strongly about it. My biggest frustration is is I'm looking around my building right now and how it's been impacted by COVID-19. The fact that no one's in this building. I come in in the afternoon to knock this show out, and then i got to get home. We're not allowed to have more than two people in the building at one time. Like we, It just has to be come in, do what we got to do, and get out, stay at home. That's it. Starting next week, I'll be working from home exclusively. I have not seen my coworkers in weeks. Uh, we just text through phone, and that's just me. Um, and I'm fortunate to still have a job. I know a lot of you out there are, you know, dealing with, you know, trying to find unemployment. I get that. I'm very fortunate. But my point is, is that we are all being impacted by this in some way, some fashion or another. And then you have Major League Baseball players who are coming out and saying that the only way that they will play. I mean, this is basically saying that the agreement that the Major League Baseball players and the union and everybody came to agreement on is that they will not play if there are no fans allowed to be in the stadiums. 
because they want a comfortable environment to watch. What, Shay? Passing just went on SportsCenter about five minutes ago, and I just saw this pop up in my Twitter feed. You are right about that for the most part, where but they're leaving the door open a little bit uh, in terms of playing games without mask, uh, without uh, stands or without fans, I should say, because. Um, they're going to make that decision when the time comes uh, about help public health officials allowing mass gatherings because the key will be if ownership and the league wants to proceed with no fans in the stands. But originally we thought there was no way they were going to play without fans in the stands. It sounds like they are leaving that door open even if it's well, just slightly way. cracked open. We've still, but there's been players, even NBA players, that have said that they don't really want to resume if there's no fans there. My point about all of this has been is that we have all had to make adjustments and exit our comfort zone we are all working for those of us who are still fortunate to be working right now uh, we are all working outside of our comfort zone and of course we would all love to be comfortable we would all love to work in a comfortable work environment but that's not the reality right now so i get annoyed when millionaire athletes who are going to get their check whether they play and do their job or not they have the nerve to say, oh, well, I only want to play if there's fans in the state. Like, they want a comfortable environment. To me, I think that's hypocritical, and I think that's very that, – that's frustrating to me. Like, they don't, they're, they're, they don't understand what's going on in the real world. That's the problem I have. So if they're not willing to work in uncomfortable work environments, but we are expected to, I just think that there's a disconnect there, and I can't relate to them, and I can't respect them. I mean, th- I mean think about it, folks. Like, Right now, people are losing their jobs because they're not able to do their job due to the coronavirus and the COVID-19, right? So what happens is people are being let go from their jobs. These pro athletes, they're getting paid whether they play or not. They're getting paid whether they play or not. And I'm not saying that that's a problem, but what is a problem is that when they start barking out demands or at least saying how they're not comfortable playing a season in front of no fans, yeah, well, a lot of people aren't comfortable working from home, but we're all having to do things that are out of our comfort zone, and that's my main point about all that. All right, folks, that wraps it up. I do want to give a huge shout-out to Larry from Milano's. Uh, Right now, keep in mind that Milano's uh, is doing, you know, carry out uh, and delivery. So make sure you keep that in mind. Now, with that being said, today they dropped off uh, the pepper, uh, pepperoni stuffed breadsticks. I'm telling you, those are the best. I mean, it's the breadsticks, they have the pepperoni and cheese inside, and of course you get your marinara sauce. I mean, oh my God, that is my favorite thing. Larry knows that's why he brings it every single week. Uh, they dropped off an Italian sub, 10 boneless wings, a small barbecue chicken pizza. I'm telling you right now, whether it's pizza, whether it's wings, whether it's subs, uh, buffalo chicken dip, when there's the, bre- the pepperoni sticks, anything, I mean, the pretzels, anything that you could think of, they have. Check, you know, go to their website, check them out, check out their menu, uh, and, of course, place an order for pickup or delivery. So take advantage of that. Again, no dine-in, obviously. That's what we're all going through right now. Uh, but if you haven't made dinner plans yet, I suggest Milano's be a part of your dinner plan. Larry, thank you. You the man. Much appreciated. All right, that wraps it up for us here this week. Good stuff. Check out the website at wingam.com. Subscribe and download to the Justin Kinner Show podcast in your Apple iTunes store, Google Play store. That You'll have access to all the entire show as well as select segments and interviews. You'll have access to the Austin Ward interview from today. Yesterday, we had the voice of the Reds, Tommy Thrall, on. Tommy Thrall, of course, the newest member of the Reds broadcast team after Marty Brenneman's retirement. 
Technically, Tommy Thrall was on the broadcast team last year, but uh, named as the official voice of the Reds moving forward. Good conversation with him. He shared what it was like when he finally found out that there was going to be uh, you know, no more spring training moving forward and that there was really no end in sight to the holdout here. So good stuff there. Make sure you check that out. Good behind-the-scenes information uh, from him. Next week, Chris Holtman, Ryan Day. The list goes on and on. A lot of big guests lined up. Bobby Carpenter and others. So I'm excited for next week's uh, line of shows. Until next week, this is been the Justin Kinner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio.